there's this Lego design lady on Instagram where she takes the like Lego arts that are out there and she makes her own designs and she sells the instructions for like 10 bucks a pop. Yeah. And they're amazing. They are like professional Lego, like official Lego set quality pieces. I have, okay. So I have this ultimate Sith art, this ultimate Sith Lego art. Yeah. And it takes three Sith arts to do it. Okay. She has a ultimate Miles Morales Spider-Man that uses two Sith arts. And then she also has a Peter Parker Spider-Man that uses one Sith art. Interesting. So I'm at this crossroads. Where you're you're considering buying five of the same set? No. Do oh. I take apart this ultimate Sith art oh. to go and build these two, two Spider-Men? Which I is say do more, it. Right? It, it, it's more along my lines. It is. And it's also, I mean, Will, at a certain point, you're going to have to you're going to have to, you're at the crossroads. You've been at the crossroads for a long time, but you've been pushing away from it of collection or content, Mm -hmm. right? You're streaming, you build things, they're expensive. (laughs) You like to collect things. So you don't want to take things apart. Uh Uh-huh. I think, I think that this is, this is a, this is an opportunity for you to, to really, refine you did not expect this to go in this direction i'm 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 <laughs> prying you apart now all you want to talk about was cool legos and i'm like let's get to who you are as a person <laughs> <laughs> this is not the cold open i was expecting <laughs> collection or content my friend <laughs> well yeah Probably. So here's the thing. Here's what's the biggest <laughs> false advertising about Will Freeland slash Silver Dreamer. Okay. I have one of the largest UCS Lego Star Wars vehicles in my background. Right. I also have a Ultimate Sith Art Lego art sure. in my background. Right. That would lead one to assume, oh, He's Big a Star, Star Wars, Wars fanboy. Yeah. Not. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've read zero Star Wars comics. I've watched all of the media once. <laughs> Bad Batch season two is out. I haven't watched any of that. Like it it's it's not my jam. Yeah. I like it. I yeah. know, I know a lot of the universe because Carlos won't stop talking about it. Of course, yeah. But I have never went and searched out this information for myself. So I feel like in support (laughs) of where you're leaning, I should take this apart (laughs) and build (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man because that's my jam. Yeah. But it's so many pieces. (laughs) <laughs> to take apart. Okay, so so the the it's bigger a pause. The okay, the bigger pause is, is about taking things apart and it's how the, much that sucks. Ra- rather than like 
this will be a thing that I once owned that will no longer be in its current shape that I can display. Because oh, I know yeah, that that's, that's also kind of a thing for Oh, okay. That's okay, because it's not that I'm taking it down and putting it away. I'm mm. taking it down and replacing it with the same pieces, just in a different order. I think it would be, I think it would make good stream material, both the taking apart and the putting back together. Okay, so I absolutely agree. Yeah. The problem is, I have mm-hmm. a backlog, I have more than a year's worth of backlog already <laughs> okay so do, all right <laughs> so do i need if i okay if i if i was hurting for the content sure i'm down i'm i'm, I'm there 20 bucks i'm in i'm not hurting for the content and holy crap the i mean uh, the the, uh, the the miles morales is really good though i i end of the day the whole point of this i'm probably gonna do it I, it's a ninety-three percent chance that I'm going to do it. It's just okay. I'm. I like I've, that you I've literally it for I've me. been sitting on this for 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 months, and I'm only recently, like in the last like thirty-six hours, have I actually started talking about. Oh, what do I do? What was me? Like I'm actually externalizing the internal struggle that I've had for a while. So. I'm getting there. It's a molasses-like process. <laughs> I am uh, happy to be your Lego therapist, I guess. It's appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, not that the uh, listeners and viewers know, but we, we took a break. Yeah. And do you remember how weeks. to do one of these? Yeah. No. But I also I don't I I don't like taking breaks. I it's 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 like the one shadow that is December. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man. Holidays, travel, doing our things. Yeah. Like you have a good you know, holidays. I mean, I know it was a being with family is always time. is good. And yeah. um yeah, there was there was a loss in, in um on my wife's side of the family. And uh, you know, we're getting through it. It the the yeah. loss is still fresh, but yeah. we were all able to spend Christmas together, and um, we had a semi-white Christmas. Like it snowed a little bit, but not much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, all things considered, given the facts, I think we had one of the better outcomes of the circumstances, as, uh, which they were. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a busy month. It was yeah, my heart goes mentally out to busy. Is physically busy. Yeah, but I I did miss potting. Yeah, tell you what, we didn't have a white Christmas here, but on the flip side, it was cold as balls. So <laughs> some of the coldest days in New York City since I moved here, maybe the coldest. Uh-huh. You know, like nine degrees feels like negative nine with the wind chill. That whole, and then since yeah, then, no it's thanks. been like. And since then, it's like it was up to the 50s last week. It's like, oh, wow. Yeah, it's like low 40s now. But like, it's like fine. It's it's pretty nice. All things considered. It's not Santa Barbara, but whatever. So, yeah, weird, weird weather, weird times. But good holidays. Good holidays over here, too.
guess we should tell the people that this is a podcast called Hype is Yeah, what are we doing, Hour? Yeah, and this is a podcast where me, Steve, you, Will, talk about the things that we enjoy, that we are, shall you say, hyped on, and share it with the good people of the internet so that you may hang out with us and share in our excitement. I read every single X-Men title and spinoff ever, and I'm in, in the year 2000, and I've got a big thing today. I've got a crossover. We've been angling towards it. It's been, it's been being set up. Well, not even set up, because nothing like affirmatively happens that puts the pieces in place. They've just been saying, like, hey, we're going to do that crossover thing. We're going to do the twelve. And and then they're like, uh, a little bit. And we're going to do it a little bit. And now it's finally happening. And then I'm also uh, talking about the sort of follow-up companion crossover, Ages of Apocalypse. I've got a couple extra issues of uh, Bishop sprinkled in because I thought that they would. I thought that they would be important. Because Bishop shows up in the middle of the crossover from fucking nowhere. And they're just like, oh, hey, it's Bishop. And then at the end of it, they're like, oh, shit, Bishop's disappearing. Wow. (laughs) And, and, And so I was like, okay, this is probably explained in his own title. The three issues that took place, you know, that were published before the 12 in his own title. And they weren't. Not so at all. They, say, they weren't even. So they they say, weren't even they, he didn't even leave. Like there was nothing. Interesting. Way to go, Bishop. Thank you, Lucas Bishop, for all of your contributions to the Twelve <laughs> Kind. Un fucking real. When they say they don't make crossovers like they used to, that's a good thing. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god. What do you got? What did you read? You read, you had a giant stack of travel books, right? I've got a stack. It's been, dude, we haven't recorded in like five weeks. So I've got nine books, but I'm really going to focus on like two or three of them because some of them are non-616. The non-616, I've got Maestro, World War M, which is Peter David finishing up more his like Maestro prequel story. Got Spider-Man 2099 Exodus because they refuse to let go of 2099. Is that also Peter David? This is Steve Steve Orlando. Okay. Sure. Sure. I've got Spider-Gwen Gwenverse. (laughs) Okay. Stoked. (laughs) She's always a good time. You and you only, boy. So, uh, and then... (laughs) Oh, wait. No, I was thinking of Gwenpool. Oh, yeah. Sp- Spider-Gwen, whatever. Yeah, Gwenpool's cool. Gwen, Spider-Gwen is okay. Savage Spider-Man, which is a follow-up from Nonstop Spider-Man that we covered that ended with him being transformed into a spider and stranded, onto an, uh, stranded on an island with Zemo. And I was like, the way this ends, this can't be set in 616. So I don't know what the hell's going on. So this is the follow-up slash conclusion to that. I'm gonna be real with you. I don't remember that at all. That's fine. That's why. That's why we do these one-two <laughs> yeah. sentence recaps. That's right. We've <laughs> got the second volume of Black Panther: Range Wars by John Ridley, bringing yeah. you know non 
comic book famous writers onto comic book titles. I have Iron Fist. Oh, a new Iron and Fist. It's new Iron Fist in the sense that it is a new person Iron Fist. Uh, it is not oh. Danny Rand, oh. as evidenced by the the, the dark hair Different and not the costume, blonde hair. The dark hair. Yeah. So we're gonna have to talk about that real quick. Yeah, I guess so. And then Amazing Spider-Man Volume Two by Zeb Wells's run oh, called yeah. The New Sinister. It was okay. Okay. This is uh, Romita Jr.'s work, and I said that his Craven looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yes. New Carnage, which was interesting. Carnage basically got killed slash destroyed after King and Black and all that other stuff. So I don't know what's going on with this, but New Carnage in the Court of Crimson. And then the conclusion to The Reckoning War. So Fantastic Four, Volume 11. Uh, this is Dan Slott's run. And I mean, there's... 85 revelations in the first book and I can only expect as much from the second book. Yeah. There, there, there'll be one or two sentence takeaways <laughs> or I'd say <laughs> 10 to 15 second takeaways for some of these books, a couple of things to talk about for takeaways in the, in the 616 in the bigger sense on some of these other books and then other relatively forgetful pieces. Okay. But yeah. It's, it's a stack, but I'm going to try to not, Make this a six-hour podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. <laughs> well, this feels a little weird, but shall we get started? Let's get th- let's get started. Um, I would love for you to go first. Cool. Well, the twelve. So the twelve has been, like I said, it's been teased for a while, mostly in mm-hmm. the pages of Cable, and the idea is that there's something with 12 special mutants that have to be gathered. Cable is the gatherer of the 12 and it, you know, so the thing, and you know, it's, it's some sort of big apocalypse plot. That's kind of what we know about it going in. Right. Mm -hmm. First off, it's not a 12 part crossover. Big, which is a good thing. It is. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's less of it. Uh, and the 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 idea eventually like it's it's no secret it's it's fine like I'm not spoiling anything to say that the the central like plot of it crux of it is apocalypse kidnaps twelve particular mutants who have special powers slash significance plugs them all into a machine sucks all their powers up and puts his essence into the body of Nate Gray to hold it all. And then that will be his, uh, like vehicle for world domination that basically creates cables future. Right. That's, that's what the 12 is. I will. So conceptually, it's interesting that, uh, I feel like the way that this is presented is like, this is like the end game plan of apocalypse. Yes. But Nate gray is like, he's been in six one six for like a couple months. Yeah. And apocalypse has been around <laughs> for like millennia. And he's just like, yeah. man, if only this amazing mutant showed up at some point <laughs> in my life that I can finally do this 12 thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, hey. Look at that. <laughs> but that's not that's not fair to 90s writers. They, they didn't know. <laughs> you don't have to be fair to them. Well, for I mean, here's the thing. This was the crossover that nobody wanted. Uh-huh. It was like, it first came about because <laughs> like way back in the early 90s, the writers or, or a master mold had a throwaway line identifying like a couple members of the X-Men as members of the 12. And this was one of the mm-hmm. many, many like abandoned plots that just like, you know, with a lot of creator, creative team changes, you know, or, or maybe this was actually in the 80s, but it was one, you know, just like some random idea that Claremont or Jim Lee or somebody had. And it was like, hey, let's do the 12. And then just kind of like never got around to it, didn't actually really care. But one of those things that like obsessive nerds were just like, what's the 12? What's the 12? What's the 12? And so eventually they're like, all right, fine. Like, our sales are tanking. Fans want us to do the 12. Let's figure out what that is. And so what they come up with is plugging all these mutants into a machine, which is kind of similar to an idea to like what's going on in, in sword with like mutant technology and combinations Mm. of powers and stuff, Mm -hmm. except it isn't that, but on like a large scale, you, you can like, you know, like what's more impressive, this or the terraforming of Mars. Well, obviously the terraforming of Mars, but like comparable in concept, but not in scale. The whole thing is dominated by logistics, not by characters, whatever. Let's get to the recap. So of everything that I said of just this sort of preamble, who would you expect to be the main character of the 12? Given like the lead up and I know you've read okay. it, but you yeah. probably, <laughs> but so, you probably okay. don't remember. If Okay. If I were going in blind and I knew yeah. it was an apocalypse centric storyline. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I would assume Cable. Me too. Right. <laughs> yeah, that seems logical. It's been teased in the cable book. It's been, you know, he's the the fated messiah to who went back in time to to stop, you know, apocalypse's reign and all of that. It should be a, a, a cable story. So we open on Cyclops, <laughs> <laughs> which is his dad. It's his dad. True. <laughs> But we recap basically Cyclops' entire arc since 1993 until now. Like, he ties, he finally ties the knot with Gene. He retires from the X-Men after Operation Zero Tolerance. He's, you know, serious this time about wanting to get away from it all and start a family. That part wasn't really firmly established before. Like, when he left the team with Gene, it was kind of thinking it was more of a hiatus. But, okay, that's fine. What is less fine is that he's literally done all of this before. Uh, This was also his arc in the latter half of the eighties. Like he quit the X-Men to be with Madeline and that was also supposed to be final. And he was pulled back in by, you know, the kidnapping of, of his son of, of uh, baby cable. And this time he's being pulled back in by the, you know, Xavier being super paranoid about there being a traitor amongst the X-Men. 
Mm-hmm. But he just, he, you know, but he can't stop himself from being involved, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So the first episode, I'm doing like two, the last two prequels of the 12, because these basically count as part of the, uh, part of the, part of the event. Fizz, the scroll, busts in on the X-Mansion. And he's one of the mutant scrolls who we met previously. And Fizz... You know, do, they do like he can size shift, whereas other scrolls can't. That's like the big thing, right? Yeah. So, so Fizz, the scroll, busts into the mansion. They have their standard, like you know, they have to fight. But then he's revealed as a friend, and he gives them, you know, a bunch of information about what's going on with the scrolls, why they've been involved with the X Men's shit recently. He says they have an ally, and he's. Uh, the ally he calls the ally the god of death or a death god or something and he said he mentions the 12 meanwhile Lorna we learned previously that or Lorna previously was brought into this whole business because the scrolls were spying on her basically and trying to kidnap her and there was a whole plot around that because she's one of the 12 (laughs) So anyway, Lorna is like, oh, they they have Alex's costume, and that's all that I have left of him. And so she goes and, you know, goes after the scrolls to get the costume back. And there's a jewel in the cowl of the costume, and it's glowing again as if his powers are being activated. And it's because he's connected to the living monolith. The monolith is back on Earth, et cetera, et cetera. So... We learned that it was uh, Apocalypse's machinations that turned living monolith Ahmed Abdul, who is not a mutant, into the living monolith by grafting Alex's DNA to him way, way, way back when. This was just a thing that he planned out in order to make the 12 happen. Huge retcon there. It's cool. Whatever. (laughs) This whole plot would have just been so much easier if they hadn't non-killed off Alex. If they if he was if they just had regular Alex and they didn't have to go to space, get Ahmet, do a do a recap, <laughs> go through all these hoops to involve Lorna, but you know, whatever. They don't it's like one hand doesn't know what the other is doing right now in editorially in the in the X-Men universe. And we finally get a list of the twelve. It's Xavier, Cyclops, Phoenix, Storm, Iceman, Sunfire, Polaris, Cable, Bishop, Mikhail, Monolith, Magneto. Non-involved are basically any members of the current X-Men team except for, like, Storm. Yeah, just Storm and, and, and Xavier and uh, Cyclops and Phoenix had quit. Iceman was just kind of fucking off, hanging out. I don't know. Bishop got lost in space and then time, and they're like, eh. <laughs> and so, like, the the people who are members of the X-Men right now, they went through great lengths to add to the team. You know, like, Marrow, Colossus, Shadowcat, Kurt. They don't matter. They're rogue. They're not part of the story. Gambit. Gambit is, like, Kind of a little bit, like, because there, there's a traitor, and everyone always assumes Gambit's the traitor, right? And 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 he's doing some like secret thieving work for uh, Xavier on behalf of trying to figure out who the traitor is. So like, 
he kind of had, and because he has a solo book, so they can go through these side stories a little bit. The rest of them do not matter to the plot at all. I'm just going to say that right off the bat. The (laughs) X-Men don't matter. Moving on. So, yeah, so we found out previously that, like, the Wolverine that died was a scroll, right? And then they got back real Wolverine and because he was death and they captured him. And and so the the whole traitor plot's over. Now, they're like, okay, the 12 is happening. Here are the, these mutant scrolls. They're telling us what the plot is. I guess we have to go to Egypt. Okay, so, so that's a whole issue, basically. Next issue of the story arc is uh, Cable number 75. It is drawn by Liefeld, so everyone is simultaneously scowling and screaming in every panel. Uh, Cable got abducted in the last issue, and X-Force is like, within the space of half a panel, figures out what took the X-Men the entirety of the last issue to figure out. They're like, oh, Apocalypse is involved. Okay, this well, this is in Egypt. Let's go to Egypt. <laughs> and, you know, we so we get the significance of this plot to Apocalypse. Uh, and it's kind of cool that they're they're taking in, like, the further adventures of, of Cyclops and Phoenix, which was a really cool miniseries with Sinister back in the 18-whatevers in London when he was awakened. And then he was awakened early by, uh, by Cable's return to the 616 because of large power spike something or other. So the stakes are set pretty well on Cable's side of this. And at this point in publication history, this really is the singular apocalypse story. Like he's never really been at the center of a 616 crossover crossover before. There was Age of Apocalypse that obviously wasn't 616. He was kind of a side character in Executioner's Song, but that was the Strife crossover. There, He was a side character in... Um, onslaught and you know there was the the big story with him you know turning warren into death and um and the big story with him abducting baby cable and infecting with the techno organic virus neither of those were like crossover level storyline events they were just like consequential things that happened in the main line of a book so this is like you know, you'd think like, okay, this is our like soup to nuts, like ultimate apocalypse story. Let's do it right. And really, like, how could you ever have an apocalypse story after this? Because the stakes are so big and it, you know, it involves everything except that, except that this sucks. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. At this point, Wolverine is still death and he witnesses Cable escape. And he's like, uh, just like his old man, don't know when to quit. Lucky for both of us then. I wouldn't want it any other way. And so okay. he, he, it's like, you know, they have a big fight. Like, I think you're still Wolverine. You know, this is the same thing that they do every time anybody's ever in mind control. Like, the real you is still in there. No, I, there's nothing of that man left. Yeah. Uh, and so we find, we get the first glimpses of like, you know, so big, yeah, it's a big fight, like with Apocalypse and Cable gets beat, but he escapes and, and, and Wolverine's like, hey, look at that. He's, he's still himself. Oh, no, wait, sorry. He doesn't escape. He escapes briefly 
and to have the fight, and then he gets captured again at the end of it. So <laughs> the status quo for every character in this is they are captured by Apocalypse. <laughs> and it's just like it's the only thing that happens. And so, I mean, the Cable Apocalypse fight, I got to say that was cool. That's like the shit that a 75th issue is for. Like you've got a big climactic thing during a, during an anniversary issue. Cool. Good on you. Even if the fight's kind of sucked on their own. And then there's this weird, oh, um, and then there's a, a backup story at the end with uh, Irene Merriweather, the journalist who has kind of become the chronicler of Cable in his time in, in the last two years of the story arc. And she basically finally files, it, it's a full text, it's like four pages of text, and she just basically recaps his entire time on 616 since returning uh, as an adult and some of his time in the future too. And this is like her story, right? Like, so that plot arc has been going on for a while. Exit out. It's done. Cool. Box checked. Yep. X-Man 59. Now I think this was left out of your trade paperback from when you read it back in the day. In true Terry Kavanaugh style, there was an abandoned plot hook dozens of issues back where he helped, where he asked the, he met the Fantastic Four briefly and he asked them to find the other exiles, uh, help him find the other exiles from Age of Apocalypse. Uh, and we're now following up on that <laughs> right now. Okay. And so he goes to the Fantastic Four to test the limits of his powers. You have your Durgor fight. He bonds with Franklin over ice cream and Onslaught. His level of conversationality is basically at the same maturity as Franklin, which is great. It totally fits. He's one year old, basically. <laughs> he, he was just born right. from a test tube. So, you know, I character-wise, I like it. But as far as a book to read, there aren't a whole lot of interesting one-year-olds possible as characters. But that's fine. And so, you know, they have their whole bonding experience. And, and Nate's like, you guys, this was all really fun. I enjoy all of your help. But I got to go sulk because that's the thing that I do. And so as the last page of the issue, he, he's flying away. And Caliban just out of nowhere just flies right into him. Just smack dab, perfect trajectory. Caliban can't fly, right? No, he can't. You're right. <laughs> He's, he's maybe somebody strong threw, charge. <laughs> maybe somebody threw him really hard. Well, he like he like teleports in behind him and then just like gain is, is going fast enough to to gain sure. on on uh, Nate and runs into him and grabs him and teleports away. That's so that's the whole issue of of X-Men. <laughs> I can see why that was dropped from the trade. <laughs> there's another, there's another uh, issue of, of X Men as part of this crossover. Just you wait. Oh, okay. All right. Next issue: X Men '96. Magneto is hanging out in Genosha, and he's like, "Why do I fear that I've, uh, you know, everything that I've done for for the mutant cause here on Genosha, giving us our own nation and all of that? Why do I fear that I've done nothing more for mutant kind than dig us our own mass grave?" Which, knowing literally one year 
of publication Damn, in the though. future. That is dark as fuck. Yo. And then there's like a bunch of scaffolding about like, oh, on the brink of the third millennium. And it made me think like, holy shit, the 12 is a Y2K story. <laughs> anyway, we, we have, you know, just a, a, a real montage of lots of characters kind of going off and doing their own thing. Like some Gene uh, contacted Bobby over Cerebro and was like, hey, get back to the mansion. So, of course, he's just like ice sliding and he gets intercepted by Deathbird and she captures him. And then, you know, never mind that like Iceman pretty recently took on Bastion 1v1 and 1. That doesn't matter. Death Deathbird gets him. Hollow Bones will give you that extra advantage. I guess. <laughs> Charles meets up with Magneto at the the site of the um, the submarine Leningrad sinking, where it was like it's like one of Magneto's biggest crimes to date, which is crazy. He he sunk a submarine, and its and and its whole crew died. A Soviet submarine who was threatening with nuclear weapons or something like that, and he's like. You know, no, you you go to the ground and everybody dies. And he was put on trial for this. This is like his whole big redemption arc in the eighties. Anyway, he's obviously a long way from a that. Trial now. of Magneto. Hey, it was actually. He <laughs> <laughs> was literally on trial. That's fine. Everything in comics happens over and over and over again. They meet at this site, and Charles is like, "Hey." I want to make peace. This 12 thing is happening, you know? So they have their, like their just obligatory conversation, chess piece, you know, conversation. And Magneto is like, well, I guess this is for real. How can I help? And then Wolverine uh, still death teleports into Muir Island, nabs Mikhail Rasputin from their, the Muir Island medical bay, just like, within two pages, just like shrugs off Colossus, grabs him, teleports away. The whole X-Men are like, oh shit. And like reaching out and, and, the, and the, so he just like goes right into where everybody is and just right. So this is the montage where everybody gets captured because right. the 12 has to happen. And never mind that like you could have done all of this in the preamble to the 12. No, like 90% of the 12 crossover is just, oh, this person needs to get captured. This person needs to get captured. We need to plug all of these action figures into the little machine here. I mean, there. I feel like there's... <sighs> There's an argument for both approaches. Yeah. And never mind that like Cyclops and Storm are right there. And he's like, <laughs> nope, I I just want Mikhail. They don't know who the 12 is yet. Oh, they do. They know quite well. <laughs> nobody told Wolverine. Yeah. The the horseman nobody gives a shit about. Ahab, aka Famine, aka Rory who was an interesting side character on Warren Ellis's run on Excalibur, uh, where he like, he doesn't want to be an anti-mutant bigot, but he understands that he is destined to become the 
decades of future past Ahab, and then he's interrogating a member of the Acolytes, and shit goes wrong. He loses a leg, and he's like, oh my god, it's happening. I don't want to hate mutants, but ooh. And then, and then he just fell out of publication completely. Uh, anyway, now he's Ahab for real. And he's a horseman. And yeah, so he, he gets Sunfire. The end. <laughs> it takes two pages. You know, he's like, I'm going to get you. And then Sunfire is like, nope, I'm throwing fire at you. And he's like, nah, I sucked it up. It doesn't matter. Famine powers, you're crumpled on the floor. The end. Yeah, so then the team splits off. Archangel, Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, Jubilee go to the Morlock tunnels to rescue Wolvie. Because, you know, you got Nightcrawler, Shadowcat, Jubilee, like Wolvie's best buddies, basically. And Archangel, just because. Because Morlock tunnels and that always triggers him really hard. And, you know, they just always have to put him there. You know, Fizz saves saves the team's life, and they're like, oh, you're a good dude. And, yeah. So, next issue. <laughs> Wolverine 146, and this is, like, basically the, the plot in the tunnels, more or less. Betsy is using Cerebro and, like, trying to finally walk the line of not using her powers because that would release the Shadow King again. It's fine. We don't care. Remember, she the cyborg. She locked the Shadow King in her mind. Everybody's mm-hmm. powers turned off for an editorially inconsistent amount of time. Anyway, they managed to just down in the tunnels. They managed to actually reach Logan and talk him out of being Death. But then Warren becomes Death again because okay. And you know why was he ever even there anyway? Yeah, good question. <laughs> and then and then we've got the next issue of Wolverine as the next issue of the crossover. Warren, it, we've got this weird sort of sequence where Warren has wings made of light and he's like doesn't remember shit. And he's like I represent pure hope. And he goes off to find Abraham Kairos, aka the original War, who was left um like in an iron lung, like more or less, like neat, close to dead, completely unresponsive. And he cures him. And just with brand new weird powers that we don't know or understand. And, and his wings are made of light. It's all very strange. He's, and he says, like, he's fighting Wolverine the whole time, but he's like, I represent pure hope. And there's this kind of interesting metaphor going on in this issue and this issue only. It's like one of the few things I found interesting in the 12 where like survival of the fittest can also be personal challenges to find yourself instead of just this like raw contest of power and strength. Like the survival of the fittest can be like become the fittest version of yourself in order to survive. Interesting. Yeah. And, and that's kind of like the, the ongoing conversation between Warren and Abraham there are these odd turns of powers for Angel that get negated immediately, though they'll kind of be brought up again later. Cool clarity concept. I wish it was explored further, but it wasn't. X-Men 60. <laughs> so Nate was slashed by Caliban once, and he's drugged and sees visions of 
what the world would be like if he had never come to 616, basically. We get spider morb, like Morbi- uh, Spider-Man becomes a Morbius vampire. So, you know, just get some morbid time in X-Men. Like, this is all great. <laughs> uh, oh, and, and he gets morbed himself. So now he's X-Morb. And so there's a big fight between, like, the surviving X-Men and the new Brotherhood, which includes your favorite character and mine. Or, or this, it's, it's like the, um, the, the, what's it called? The Gene Nation. Right, the the Morlocks who lived in that uh, with accelerated future Dark Beast, so it's like Fever Pitch and a bunch of other random characters, and our favorite character, Integer, the mathematical Yay. concept who would be a man. <laughs> oh boy. And basically, X-Man comes to realizes he'd been hallucinating uh, right in the middle of Apocalypse's giant, you know, villain monologue about what the 12 are and why he gathered them. And he's like, oh, shit, Caliban's been calling himself Pestilence. Pestilence is a horseman of Apocalypse. I am in Apocalypse's lair. This is both issues of X-Men's story arc in the 12 is the lead up to him getting captured and then a dream sequence while he's captured. And then the very last page he wakes up and he's like, Oh, I sure am captured. (laughs) So he contributes, (laughs) he contributes nothing. Absolute nothing. It's fine. Nobody does. He's not from here. He doesn't need to continue. He's, he's, his character, he's just a MacGuffin in this crossover, but he has a solo title. And so they're like, fuck, what do we do? <laughs> how can we give a MacGuffin, you know, like how do we write a, an how actual book about? do we make people about, care about a MacGuffin? Or just like we, we're, 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 sta- we're, we're stuck with this character as a way to, you know, like whatever. Fuck it. They don't care. I don't care. Okay. X-Men 3... X, uh, Uncanny 377. There are no twists in this 12 plot is all. Everybody goes to Egypt as expected. Every plot beat takes three panels or so. No room for any characters to do anything unexpected. Bishop shows up out of nowhere. Gen X and X-Force arrive as reinforcements because why not? Nope, they're scrolls. Infinity War. It's the, the vision football scenes in infinity war had way more attention than this like oh we can't let him get him oh he's got him that's there wasn't even a we can't let him get him it's just like oh he's got them oh he's got them oh we have to go here oh he's got them there's this last minute plot thread though where a hacker steals their data like the the whole xavier protocols like how to kill everybody from from the onslaught crossover and so at this moment, they're like, ooh, you know what? Let's split the party and do this other thing instead. And so they send half the team off to, to gather the data. And everybody else uh, sticks with, you know, saving the world for all of eternity. Excellent. Yeah. So by the end of it, all of the 12 are just in little bubbles. They just, you know, they're like, oh, I got to do this thing. Oh, I got to save you, Peter. Oh, it's a scroll. Bloop. 
Oh, watch out. Bloop. And, and so all of the 12 are in their 12 bubbles. There we go. And yeah. <laughs> now we have a random aside. We follow up on that data breach storyline. Because <laughs> you know what? Even, even the X-Men can get pwned by a hacker. So it's in, randomly it's an issue of X-51 of Machine Man. They stop a sentinel attack on a suburban home where Machine Man was li- was living. He's been corrupted or something. At the end of it, he's presumed dead. Henry Peter Guyrich is a bastard. Not really caring to go into details about the X-51 series that I don't know, but that's basically what it is. I read it. Okay. Cable, 76. We kind of get a check-in on Stacey, Kenny, and Irene because we have to remember that they're also characters and the grounding the stakes of the real world, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, everybody's in their bubble and they're like talking to each other. Scott and Nathan, it, Cable has like a vision of the future, a bunch of like Scott and Nathan melodrama, and, and he says like, you are the man that I'd hope you'd become. And then he has a vision of Madeline in Alaska and like you were my son too, I'm trying to protect you. I can get you out of all of this because this is like the this. <laughs> yeah. How does he know it's Madeline? This is be just because this is because of who's seeing the vision, or is it Madeline in wearing like next to nothing in the middle of Alaska? Like what visually gives away that it's that it's Madeline? <laughs> she she, you know says that she's Madeline. She uh, she talks okay. she talks real Madeline style. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Most clones there's a discerning difference, but with Madeline and Jean there's like none other than attire. Yeah. So she's like, "Hey, you're my son. I can get you out of all this." And oh, he's well, like, okay. "Mom, I have important things to do. I have to save the world. Gosh." And and so she's like, all right, fine, goodbye forever. And 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 it's just another scene of like apocalypse standing above all of them in their bubble and be like, ah, ha, 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 you are the twelve, and and I, your, well, will get your powers, and then I will remake the world in my image, and then the stars. <laughs> yeah. Okay, X Men ninety seven. The, the rest of the X-Men who aren't part of the 12 are just so waylaid by like random apocalypse mooks and scrolls that they can't get inside the temple to join the real drama. One of the mutant scrolls, a telepath named Zakan, joins Fizz, clears the way for the X-Men to go inside. There's a problem. Magneto's powers are burning out, and so and that disrupts the 12 circuit. This has been a thing that's been going on for a little while. He, that's why he's been using Fabian Cortez drugs. And by that, I mean Fort Fabian Cortez is literally drugs. <laughs> so, yeah, the circuit breaks, the 12 pop out of their bubbles. Mikhail shunts off into another dimension with the other three horsemen. But for some reason, Apocalypse can still take over Nate's body without the 12 circuit, without killing everyone, without stealing their powers. What the fuck is going on? Why did any of this happen? Is why is any of this important? The stakes are still the same despite the entire plot having fallen apart. That didn't matter in the first place. That you spent like ten issues just like putting everybody in a bubble and it didn't matter. 
Bishop absorbs the power of the living monolith and disappears. And everyone's like, oh, shit. Oh, oh, he's going back to his own future, obviously. We don't need to worry really? about our buddy disappearing again. It's fine. Everyone just kind of like explains the thing that just happens and then runs along to the next plot point that's resolved in the next two panels as they explain how it happened. Gene rips open Apocalypse's armor. There's this withered husk of a dude inside. There's a callback to sort of Dark Phoenix as uh, Cyclops, you know, still try uh, Apocalypse still tries to do the body transfer. Cyclops jumps in the way. And then we've got dun 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 squat Scott Apocalypse. I think that's better than Apocalypse. <laughs> Apocalypse. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it just like it doesn't, you know, for for if, if you were writing it down, it would be better, but saying it out loud, like it sounds too close to the real. Cypocalypse. Cypocalypse. That's a good one, too. Cyclopolypse. <laughs> so that's like the, that's the end of the, of the 12 crossover. <laughs> Scott is now Apocalypse. Or, well, you know, the host of Apocalypse. Yeah. And so. Looking real deformed. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a big old like visor head thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's silly. So X-Men Annual 99, we get like kind of a coda recap to it. Forge and Madrox are on this random mission in Genosha. I've got to say they're a pretty good combo in Marvel Snap, but that doesn't really translate to (laughs) comics. Jubilee, Kitty, Warren, Kurt, and Logan are in the Blackbird on the way. Logan is just sitting in the back naked, popping his claws and freaking out. And then Jubilee and Kitty see his dong. This is an actual thing that happened <laughs> in the comics. I'm not I'm I'm not making things up in order to, you know, be weird and, and say that weird things are happening in comics. <laughs> I am not exaggerating even to or reading subtext at all. Jubilee says, uh, you know, he's so he's just sitting in the back and he's popping his claws and and just like he's kind of you know, he's shaken by this whole thing. He's out of sorts. Jubilee says, hello, hairy naked man here, or hairy back naked man here. And then she turns to Kitty and she says, look at Pride. I know you guys were tight back in the day, and I can appreciate the relationship that you had before I showed up and utterly swiped his affections, but I prefer my knucklehead clothed, thank you very much. And Kitty kind of like crosses her arms and rolls her eyes. And then Wolverine just like stands up and walks right past them, and they're they're both like Jubilee looks down at his dick, which is off panel, and then she's like breathless. She's like, "Oi!" And Kitty says, "You were saying you're nasty." <laughs> that man is like two hundred years older than you, <laughs> right? <laughs> And, like, your surrogate father figure. What the fuck is going on? Oh, my gosh. She's, it, I can only assume she's just shell-shocked by the size of his massive dong. That's the only way to read. Like, okay, I'm going to share my screen here. You tell me what you see. Here's, here's, here it is. If you can see it. Oh, there we go. 
<laughs> wow. She says, I prefer my knucklehead clothed. And then she looks at his dong. And then she's, and, oh and Kitty God. has a wry smile on her face. Like, you really prefer him clothed, do you? I'm not, I'm not reading anything into this, right? This is exactly what they printed in an X-Men comic for children. <laughs> this is like the oldest Kitty will look for another like 25 years. <laughs> That's also true. What? Okay. Well, well, now we know. Yeah. Now we know. Wolverine is a tripod. <laughs> confirmed. <laughs> canon confirmed. <laughs> canon, canon, yes. <laughs> There's a lot more pages in this issue. I don't know anything else that happened. There's a scene on Genosha where Vote, Amelia Vote teleports Cortez away to the middle of the Amazon rainforest for being a dick. And they're like, oh, because he hates he hates rainforests. This will be funny. And and Magneto has like, you know, goes off into the world and says, I am ending bigotry against mutants. Yeah. I'm gonna go through these these random issues of Bishop real quick because we you know, you know what? I'm gonna do Ages of Apocalypse first instead. Okay, so we start on Uncanny 378. And so the Ages of Apocalypse, we kind of have, we don't really know what's going on. Each of these are a different sort of like random alternate reality scenario. And we don't, we're not given much of a clue at first how or why or what's going on. So in this first issue of the crossover, Gene shows up at the X Mansion for the first time, but things are off. Storm and Gambit are members instead of or students instead of Angel and Cyclops. She knows that things are wrong. Magneto, as happened on their first mission, attacks the Cape Citadel nuclear site, along with Polaris, who's wearing this sort of like mashup of her first costume and the Scarlet Witch first costume, but shabbier. But this time he leaves before the X-Men shows up because he's relying on Lorna's powers and she doesn't want to kill people. And then her brotherhood back, er, his brotherhood back at base are uh, Rogue in Mastermind gear, Sunfire in Quicksilver gear, and Marrow in Toad gear, like in their costumes. And Marrow's powers are like more deforming than ever. So they're back on Asteroid M. There's another Cerebro spike. Colossus and Cable are at the Monolith Circus. They have a confrontation with Magneto, and then Xavier and Jean freak out about what's wrong. Scott's on the run from an angry mob, trips into them, tells them that none of this is real. Apocalypse is manipulating them. And he's basically orchestrated this fight in everybody's minds in order to have them all unleash their powers to use the 12 engine so that the 12 plot can be salvaged, basically. Scott and Gene remember everything. They share a moment as Apocalypse is like fully taking him over. Scott's body can't handle this the way Nate's would have, and that's why these reality ripples are happening. Uh, and then we have like a pop in reality, and everyone except Scott Apocalypse slash Apocalypse is back in 616 in the 12 chamber in Egypt, being like, what the fuck? 
And then Gene says, you know, the reason that reality bubble popped is because Scott was fighting this. And Xavier's like, nah, he dead. And then next issue, this is Cable. And the alternate reality is sometime after Cable's return, but before the 12, Apocalypse takes over the world. And in this reality, Cable leads an army against him that includes Aaliyah and basically every other character in the Marvel Universe. But eventually he realizes everything is wrong and pops back to the 12 chamber. X-Men Unlimited 26. Cable is the leader of a Jim Lee-era X-Men team who's on a mission in space against the Shi'ar. And they have a mysterious new member named Siphon who seems to have apocalypse powers. Scott is dead at this in this timeline. They're fighting against horsemen who are Eric the Red, Deathbird, Caliban, and Ahab. Nobody gives a fuck about Ahab even still. Excalibur with Nate and Martinique Mastermind. Banshee as reinforcements show up, but Sean dies. Uh, the day seems lost, and then Xavier rides in with his new scroll students. Uh, Xavier is savior, takes out Deathbird, Wolverine kills Eric the Red, Kitty dies, Caliban, Caliban flips sides, Mastermind and Jean make dark, a Dark Phoenix illusion, and the Shi'ar are like, okay, never mind, we're done, it's over. Uh, and Xavier monologues. And then there's no stinger at the end to show that we're in a reality bubble, but that's fine. We figured it out by now. Wolverine 148. Wolverine's a member of the Fantastic Four, along with Spider-Man, Hulk, and Ghost Rider. They have been real-life Fantastic Four fill-ins before in 616. They fight oh. Blastarn and... Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I know that. It's, yeah. it's yeah. that's a... They're getting a fill-in the history book coming yeah. out. Soon. Oh really? Oh, interesting. Like, like it just it the TP just came out well oh, last sick. week. <laughs> I will be excited to hear you talk about it because I have no idea what the fuck why that they were the FF or what was going on. Oh, why were they chosen? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's so random. Anyway, they fight Blastar and Annihilus. Peter and MJ once again in this reality have a kid named May who has spider powers. Bruce is married to Betty, who is Harpy at the moment, and they were going to throw her into the negative zone, and that's how the attack uh, from Annihilus and Blastar happened. We learned that the original Fantastic Four saved, uh, sacrificed themselves against X-Men Apocalypse. X-Men Avengers and Doom also died in that battle, but the world outside the Baxter building is literally on fire all the time. Wolvie is dating Stacy, Cable's 616 girlfriend for some reason. And he ran out on the X-Men, someone who they presume to be Dr. Doom, who is like, but you were supposed to be dead, uh, assassinates President Kelly. But in reality, it's actually Arnim Zola. It's Gambit. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so a big fight and they win. And then Graydon Creed is sworn in as the new president. And the issue ends abruptly. X-Men 98. Okay, so the year is 2099, but it is not the reality 2099. Okay, it's December. It, it specifically says it's December 2099, so they've got a few months That's, to work yeah. with. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's, basic, it's basically 2100. Yeah. yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. They had a lot of work to do to change <laughs> from. <laughs> 
got a long way to go. Anyway, so in this reality, after defeating Apocalypse in the 12 plot, Xavier goes into space with the scrolls and expands the idea of the X-Men intergalactically, and it's this gigantic success. They neutralize Galactus. They establish a new home planet called X-World. There's a giant celebration of uh, for the 100th anniversary. All kinds of alien X-Men are there. Fizz greets Xavier, Jean, Colossus, and Storm. Storm's an energy being now. Peter and Kitty have great-grandkids. Gambit and Marrow are expecting their own great-grandkids. Rogue busts in and says she finally has full control over her powers. Gambit gives her a wistful look. Shiro mistakes X-Man for Cable because he's old now, but Cable's running with Magneto's Brotherhood. He's almost completely techno-organic now. Polaris is running with the Brotherhood, too. Turns out they were all they were allies with Magneto until 20 years ago, but he left to the hinterlands to do things their own way. But they still kind of you know they're like, ah, eh, we're still cool with each other. Xavier's dying and asks for Jean's forgiveness about Scott, and then they're like, oh wait, we can save Xavier's life by charging up this celestial machine with all of our power shooting out it at the same time. How could this possibly be anything like something that happened to us in the past? And then Apocalypse pops out and monologues like, ah, you're doing the thing. And, and then Gene contacts the remnant of Scott in Apocalypse and breaks the circuit. They all pop up back up in Egypt. Cable leaps in for the kill and Gene stops him because Scott's still in there. Scott, Apocalypse, and Monolith escape. This is the only uncomplicated utopia the X-Men have ever accomplished in any timeline in all of my history. I've read pretty close to every X-Men book now, right? I've seen yeah. a lot of alternate futures. And yeah. it is usually the worst. This is the only right. success they've ever enjoyed. And I think that that makes this issue extremely fascinating. X-Men number 98. I mean, it, it still sucked, but it was really interesting. Right. Well, would you consider a House of M a win? Just for kind the argument's I mean, sake. I don't know. No, no, I wouldn't. Because it's not the X-Men's utopia. It's Magneto's utopia. You know, it's not like peaceful coexistence and true equality and all that stuff. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's mutant supremacy. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, so we have an epilogue. Everybody comes home, full recover for Wolverine. Lorna joins Magneto full time. The Scroll mutants need a new home. Jean leaves, and shit is, between her and Xavier, is super tense. The end. Okay. That's the, that's the 12 and its sister crossover. That's all of it. Okay, so this is called, the, at the end of the last arc on Bishop, the witness who is basically Gambit, like more or less confirmed, but died and told them to go to this city called Dunduin. So they go, they wander through the desert for a long time, they make it there, and it's this walled city. Dunduin is this walled city that's like mostly abandoned and ruled by this guy named Duncan Jericho. Eh, get it? Jericho, walled city? Hey. Hey. And so they're like giant friend, their friend who is literally a giant named Nom is like wandering around at night because they don't let him stay with everybody. And he stands on this platform 
and it the platform just kind of like this little wooden platform just like raises up into the sky like hundreds and hundreds of feet and brings him to the the lair of this creepy these creepy wind winged people called the kith and we finally get the story about what the fuck is going on in Dunduin, they've been practicing human sacrifice in order to keep the kith off, you know, from killing all of them. The kith have a deal with the chronomancer, who is Fitzroy. And so they lead a giant prison break rebellion. They find the captive kith heir, whose name is Kinlan Karth Kith. Wow. <laughs> I mean, not. <laughs> I know. Oh, it's the KKK. Oh, no. <laughs> this is this is a bad mission bishop abort <laughs> abort <laughs> if you remember there's this like human kid from 616 new york who got sucked in with all this timey-wimey stuff with bishop he gets abducted by this guy named uh fold who has cloak powers and uh Back in Dunduin, they they run into the witness who was they watched die, but he's like, "Haha, I don't do that dying thing." He tells them he he's been like in the pocket of or manipulated by Clan Hellfire and their leader Samara Shaw. They form an uneasy alliance, and then Shaw and Bishop hook up, and he blacks out and. He wakes up in a tunnel. He runs into a sentinel that was sent by the last of the X-Men. And they find out that in the last days of the Great War that destroyed both the mutants and the machines. We, we get this like whole backstory about the sentinel and how it was days of future past. Logan and Aurora had a big, you know, they were married. They have a big mission to get the reprogrammed sentinel. But they were captured, and this is how they got into the prison camp in Days of Future Past. But anyway, the Sentinel gives Bishop Aurora's headdress, and we find out that that is the key to Cerebro. Samara Shaw meets secretly with Fitzroy, and we find out that she is uh, open to playing both sides and cutting deals that suit her. Oh yeah, the, so the whole, like, I'm sorry, I didn't follow up on the Keith Kith thing because that was like three whole issues. They lead a massive rebellion and, and overthrow the Kith and Kinlan Karn Kith becomes the, you know, the real leader, etc. Head Kith. Yep. And and that was that was uh these issues of Bishop. They're literally he never leaves. This like timeline. there's no there's yeah, there's no point at which he goes to to the twelve. <laughs> And like, does that plot? Uh, okay, man. Yeah, I, that's I, too bad. <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. I would okay. So yeah, I feel like they could do a twelve-two and do mm-hmm. it right now. Like mm. apocalypse. Like spends his time on Arako reevaluating his approach to the 12 and like you know becoming the his like personal evolutional mutant i can see that (laughs) because like so one of the things that stood out to me about the 12 was like each each chosen person was like a different like it was like a different like poll or like a group yeah yeah 
they all power wise had a reason to be in the circuit. They're like, you know, so well, ish kind um, of. So mo- mo- several of them, like for evolution's perspective, doing Gene Scott and Cable. One, they're not all related, but they representing father, father, mother, mother, child. father, and son. Yeah, and then okay. Um, You've got Polaris Magneto as the polar opposites for whatever. Magnetic pole that doesn't make sense. Sure. (laughs) Storm, Iceman, Sunfire representing the elements, but like you like. Why three? With the the exception. You never say three elements. With the exception of Pokemon, you never see (laughs) three elements of life. Yeah. (laughs) It's always four. So like you you pull in, you pull in. Black Tom Cassidy. Black Tom, or I was thinking Richter even. Oh, Yeah. Because he's like Mr. Up- Apprentice these days. That's true. And then uh, uh, what is it? They have Bishop a, and Bishop and Monolith Bishop is representing time. time uh, Mikhail for space. Oh, and, right, Mikhail for space and Xavier for mind. And like right. I get that, but Bishop's power set isn't time related. <laughs> right. So like right. I imagine getting like a te- a tempo or a tempest. Yes. In well, his Tempest place. wasn't a character yet, but Tempo. Right. So, like, if you were to do it now. <laughs> yeah, So, like, yeah. if if Apocalypse in his, like, rest in Iraq, in Iraqo is looking yeah. through his old notes. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, wait a second, I pressed this wrong. And then Living Monolith as the core doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. When, nope. when the when When the goal was to go to Nate. So, drop the core. <laughs> Doesn't yeah, makes sense. Or if you wanted to get real with it, a core would be like the potential host. So you'd need a body that is malleable. So you bring in Legion, or yes. you bring in um, Darwin, or uh, someone who's who's mutate genet. Uh, you know, Darwin uh, also mut- not mutation. a character yet, but yes. No, that's what I'm saying. I, if you yeah. did it now, right, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you did this in the Krakoa era, where you have yeah, all yeah. the mutants available to you, I feel like Apocalypse could approach this from a new higher power version, and they could do a 12-2 as like the return of Apocalypse slash making Apocalypse a bad guy again. I think it's a terrible idea. It's totally doable. I think it's a terrible idea, which means it's inevitable. <laughs> yeah i don't like cons- con- it would have to be post krakoa to be real honest because he's such a he's such a pillar of the like creation of krakoa so it wouldn't make sense for yes. him to do such a selfish move like that but i could see that as the like every established villain who is currently not a villain anymore in Krakoa <laughs> post Krakoa, because it's not going to be forever. Yeah. Post Krakoa. I feel like you could do something like that. I get it. I feel it. I'm into it. It would be conversationally interesting. I don't think it would be world building. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the last thing on the Bishop thing. Sorry. Oh yeah. So the, you know, did this whole thing to find Cerebro, unlock it with Aurora's headdress. He uses Cerebro and finds Fitzroy, because that was the whole thing that he was trying to do in the first place. And Fitz, he has like a, you know, for some reason he like sees Fitzroy and then Fitzroy just like looks back at him and smiles. So like he knows he's being seen in Cerebro or something like that. Or he just looks at the camp. He just looks at the, at 
at the reader and smiles. So, you know, whatever that means. I'm, I, while you were saying that, I saw a snippet of that letter that someone wrote in specifically calling out the writers being like, how is Bishop going to be part of the 12 if he's going to be stuck in this future? <laughs> and the, they responded like, don't worry, he's definitely part of the 12. Um, X-Men. <laughs> Whether or not the X-Men are doomed to fail may happen with or without the help of Bishop. Yeah, because he doesn't help. Because <laughs> nothing that anybody did in that whole crossover mattered except for... He's one of the 12. But they'll figure yeah. this out with or without him. <laughs> except, except Cyclops, Cycl- and and I guess like Gene a little bit. They they were the only people who like ever like did an action during the twelve that like yeah. had any real consequences. Anyway, <sighs> all right, what you got? All right, what are we starting what with? Do I have? Boy, howdy! All right, so we're gonna start with. <laughs> We're going to start with Maestro. World War M by Peter David. So Peter David wrote Maestro back in the day. Yeah. And they brought him back to be like, hey, do you want to write a three one-shot prequel series? A trilogy of one-shots to lead up to the origin of Maestro? And he was like, sure, give me a paycheck. So, (laughs) so, so. We've covered Maestro Symphony in the Gamma Key and Maestro War and Pax, which are basically <clears throat> the first volume was him waking up in an AIM lab being like, what's up with this random ass future? Why am I so old? And <laughs> how the world became. I like, feel you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> right? How the world became all desolate. And then Warren Pax was him establishing his dominance in the world, uh, including fighting the likes of Dr. Doom. Yeah. And so in this World War M, the main antagonist is Namor, an old, an aged Namor. I find, dude, it's, I don't know if it's funny, but like, have you noticed that whenever there's like future books, whether it's set, you know, 50 years in the future, 20 years in the future, or like 100 years in the future. Everyone ages in real time, but then <laughs> you have people like Logan, who's been up to the year that the book came out, <laughs> who's oh, yeah. aged unnaturally for yes. 200 years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then... Yes, indeed. <laughs> that really stood out to me, super tangent, that really stood out to me in Gardens of the Galaxy 2. When they did all that, like, fancy de-aging for, um... Oh, for... Oh, my yeah, lord, for, what is his name? Kurt Russell. For Kurt Russell in the in the flashback. And then they're oh, like, well, yeah. we don't want to use that technology for the now stuff. So he's going to represent himself as aged naturally compared to the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the 80s or whenever there was. Yeah. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's not a big deal. It's the most nitpickiest of unnecessary nitpicks Uh but it's just something that i think about from time to time anyway so maestro maestro went and took out an aim facility the aim facility that he was held at and super old modok was there and so was emil blonsky abomination okay yeah so blonsky comes up and it kind of follows Blonsky and Maestro and 
Blonsky gets attacked by Namor. Well, Namor is Atlanteans because he sent his soldiers to go get a big green monster man who's terrorizing the world, thinking he's they're supposed to go get Hulk Maestro, sure. but they ended up with Abomination. Anyway, Jim Hammond gets involved and fights Maestro. It takes the combined oh the, Jim Hammond goes and teams up with Namor and Abomination. They all try to coordinate and uh, and take out Maestro. In the process, Namor loses his son and his wife. Superhero battles, comics, blah 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 blah. <laughs> the final team up with Jim Abomination and Namor is they go and team up with Doctor Doom to try to get the drop on him. Turns out that. The servant for Maestro, the guy with like, he's got a red eye and a gold helmet. Uh, he was the servant to the previous king. Uh, he just goes by the minister. Anyway, turns out it's Toro from the invaders. Oh, yeah. And so he has been providing insider information over to John because they're super buddies. Fights happen. Abomination doesn't want to fight anymore. He, 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 he has... Nothing left in this world because everyone that he cared about died 50 years ago. So his fighting spirit is gone. It ends with Maestro fighting and killing Doom, Jim Hammond, Abomination, all at Castle Doomstot. And Rick Jones gets Doom's time platform. <laughs> Sounds like a very Rick Jones thing to do. Yeah. And that plot point is what leads into the storyline of Future Imperfect with Maestro. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it ends so it ends with that. And it's like, you know what's gonna happen because of Future Imperfect. I'm like, well, I didn't read it, so thanks. Um <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, it was. You you were probably the only the only person who bought this, who didn't read it. Like this is <laughs> explicitly, you know, solicited, designed, right. produced, uh, published for people who were fans of, you know, Peter David's like long and legendary run on Hulk in the eighties and nineties. Trying to say I'm not a Marvel fan. No, I'm trying to say <laughs> I'm trying to say that why the hell would you get this? That's a great question. Well, okay, so I did see that it was end of the trilogy, quote unquote, and I already had yeah. the other two. Oh yeah. But I'm gonna be honest, I I knew, but I didn't know that this was specifically the prequel to Future Imperfect. Mm, okay. Because in my head. Any alternate reality storyline is its own thing until it specifically tells me otherwise. (laughs) Right. Because, like, Hickman's Fantastic Four run also had Bruce Jr. grow up to turn into Maestro. Mm, mm -hmm. And Bruce Jr. being the little Brucey that old man Logan saved. Right. Right. So, like, it's... And why I remember that, I don't know. It's literally <laughs> one page of exposition of what could possibly happen to this Bruce Jr. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's it. I read that, God, 15 years ago. 
but for whatever reason, it just stands out in my mind. So like until I'm explicitly told, it's it's its own thing. <laughs> I'm gonna save this for a cold open, but I have this theory about I have this r- no prize theory about multiverses and how it makes sense for this eighth multiverse to exist and have all these like spider-verse stories. Hmm, okay. And it's just been in the back of my mind for a while. Uh, speaking of Spider-Verse, so Spider-Man 2099, Exodus. This book exists for the sake of Miguel or O'Hara like jump-starting 2099 and like making it, giving it new life. Like, I because which they should okay. Let me take a step back. <laughs> <laughs> Almost every 2099 storyline, with the exception of Spider-Man, was kind of one-shotty. Like, we're gonna tell one story, let it be extreme and permanent, like we'll kill off some characters because we're not coming back. <laughs> yeah. But Miguel O'Hara was such a huge hit and Spider-Man stories keep on bringing him back from the future to a current 616 storyline. So this reads as a like, well, Miguel O'Hara is going to be the catalyst to (laughs) show the other 299 characters and, and give like spark a new hope for the potential of the future. Like 2100. Yeah, so it starts with Miguel going. So he wants to take out Alchemax because that's his whole thing. Yeah. And he wants to save the world because of some world-ending threat. It's not a big deal outside of 2099, so I'm not. But anyway, so (laughs) the first issue has him teaming up with Ghost Rider 2099. And as a reminder, Ghost Rider 2099 is a ghost in the machine. He's like a virus mm. character. Okay. That's he's cool. like he's like Battle Network Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> Having not seen any episodes of Battle Network or played any of the Battle Network games, I know no. that Mega Man is a like program. It's like reboot. There you go. He's okay. like he's you, like a he's reboot. Okay. You know for, more than for me. an even older reference. Yes. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so uh, the, his his team up has him fighting a silver mane that refuses to die. Okay. Seems like his thing. It, it kind of is. Meanwhile, in the background, the true villain is a basically Ra's al Ghul version of Norman Osborn. He's in this like goblin Lazarus pit. <laughs> <laughs> That okay. has been keeping him alive for the last hundred years, and he's gearing up to deal with the Miguel O'Hara problem. The next is so now he's got Ghost Rider on speed dial, uh, and so Ghost Rider's like, "Okay, I know you're you're going to go gather this army. You're going to need more than just me. When you're ready, let's do this." Anyway, so you have basically single issue introductions of other 2099 characters. So there's like the 2099 Black Widow. Um, she's uh, an or- 
original character, not anyone who's super old. She fights 2099 Crossbones, who is almost all cyborg at this point, or all robot at this point. Okay. She takes him out, and then at the end of her story, Miguel shows up and is like, hey, I want to recruit you. She's like, oh, okay. And then we have 2099 Valkyrie, who's fighting 2099 Loki, who is actually Loki. They have their okay, little there was a different. There was a different Loki 2099, right? I want to say yes, okay. but I don't know every single 2099 character. <laughs> yeah. And then Loki and Valkyrie do a, a team up. So, okay. Asgard has fallen in 2099, mm-hmm. and there are like bits of Bifrost that Valkyrie is going around collecting, and so has Loki. And then there's like this giant serpent that the two of them team up to fight and Loki sacrifices himself to save Valkyrie and Valkyrie now has Loki's helmet. And at the end, Spider-Man shows up and is like, hey, I want, I want to recruit you. And she's like, all right. Okay. And then you have the 2099 Avengers who I don't even think it actually says each character's name. <laughs> like, every, <laughs> like every time it shows the characters, it doesn't actually tell you like was it uh, the little like text boxes to say who they are uh-huh yeah yeah but they fought the masters of evil who were zemo enchantress melter black knight radioactive man and the patriot <laughs> yeah and then but that's all a preamble for coming across moon knight 2099 no no, who no boy is <laughs> who is a reanimated like mummy corpse. Okay. Which is kind of super interesting. But they cloak themselves as like this like kind of like specter kind of look. Mm-hmm. In the past, we've seen uh Captain America 2099. She is she kind of Thor swaps with this other lady who doesn't know that she's Captain America. She's like a she's like a sleeper agent. She'll get a phone call and be like activate and then she like activates into this different personality and different person and then we have 2099 hulk who is more of like a monster now and that was introduced back in when 2099 first came out um 2099 black panther uh and handful of others they all get together do their team up against the brotherhood of evil they win and so and they only won because spider-man helped them so spider-man's like i will call on you and they're like okay (laughs) <laughs> uh, there's the Black Widow follow-up and then Spider-Man helps her and then they come across the 2099 X-Men uh-huh. who is one of one of the original 2099 titles. Yeah. But they killed off some of their members back in their original <laughs> title. <laughs> but uh-huh. they still have Rogue, a young Cable huh. because time Sure, of course. This guy, this guy, Bloodhawk. He's that the doesn't if you sound pull, good. You want to get that one well, checked out. If you if you pull up a picture of X Men twenty nine, he's the big red guy with the big red wings. Sure, yeah. He's a transmorph and desert myth, for whatever that means. <laughs> this the, guy, the desert myth who would be a man. <laughs> uh, there's this guy Tulkas. Uh, he's an okay. adrenokinetic. What the fuck? Jolly brawler is what they say. North Star, who's a navigator and optimist. 
Crystalline, okay. whose crystallization, or her power is crystallization. Phoenix, who's a pyromantic regeneration and provocation. Cerebra, biometric telepath, currently depowered. Deadpool, healing factor. And Cyclops, line of sight transmutation, which is such a cool power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he wears a blindfold. And then because whatever he looks at gets transmuted, which is right. super weird and super cool. More like the mythical Cyclops, I suppose. Right. And then an origin, uh, another character that was there 20 years ago, Skullfire. Energy Dynamo. This is what it is. <laughs> anyway, okay. they have their crossover that having to do with cloning and Sentinels. Spider-Man helps. <laughs> of course. And they say, okay. Turns out that the Sentinels were working for Osborne, and so that's their like reason for colliding. Sure. And then um, the Watcher of 2099 is not Uatu. Oh, it is Ulana. Okay, she says, uh, "I am Ulana, the Watcher, sworn to observe and never interfere, even here, the world that murdered my lover, leaving me to take Uatu's post." So, okay, it's that. Anyway. So now you have the final issue, and Miguel fights the Galactic Goblin <laughs> and all of his mercenaries and and sentinels, and everyone gets summoned to join the fray. And they have their fight. And guess who wins? Oh, look, Spider-Man wins. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you really had me going for a second there. I know. I I should have I should have let I should have let you try to guess just in case. <laughs> Captain Britain's also on the Avengers, by the way. Uh, they fight. They win, and then it basic they basically create this place called Oasis X. It's the center of progress for a world upended. In a second, every black card holder's wealth went up in flames. Oh, because. <sighs> That was that was part of the whole thing was Osborne created this think like how we have the Thunderbolts now where they're like bad guys and they and as long as yeah. they're wearing the Thunderbolt badge, they can do whatever the fuck they want. Sure. That's the black card holders in 2099. And okay. anybody can have a black card. You basically have to like uh, you buy your way in and you sure. can immunity have from a black card. Basically. And immunity from law. Yeah. And so it was getting out of control. So, and so, <laughs> so this is about the real world. Yeah. So they took down the entire black card network with the help of, you know, of electronic ghostwriter. <laughs> so now the world is brand new and doesn't have this oppressive force of the black card holders. And it literally ends with Ulana giving this, monologue of like the chains that choked a generation are finally broken because of a spider miguel o'hara <laughs> who fought back when no one else would earth 2099 lives on and none of us not even spider-man will face tomorrow alone and 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 yeah so okay they're like hey look we can relaunch 2099 now so that's <laughs> fun <laughs> yay yay we're all so happy all right Spider-Gwen Gwenverse. This, this is the comic that had Glam Goblin in it. Oh, okay. Sick. That I texted you and uh, the ethics crew about. Yeah. One. All right. So this is Spider-Woman who is 
Oh, sorry. This is Ghost Spider, who is Earth 65's spider, who is Gwen Stacy. Now, Earth 65, right. Gwen Stacy became the spider totem, and Peter Parker was jealous of Spider Woman at the time uh, and tried to give himself powers. He became the lizard and then he died. And so it's this sure. role reversal. Yeah. Like complete role reversal. So Spider Gwen also has that intergalactic or interdimensional. A scholarship at ESU that Tony yeah, Stark put that in place. Is cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. she is hopping over to six one six to go to school. She's missing practices with the band, who's the Mary Janes, because <laughs> life. The band is called the Mary Janes. Yes. So the lead singer is Mary Jane. And oh, then okay. Betty Brant is the bassist, and Gloria is the guitarist and Gwen is the drummer. Wild. Okay. And her dad, Captain Stacy, is mm-hmm. thoroughly concerned for Spider-Woman's safety because, you know, doting father type. Sure. The main difference between Earth-65 and 616 is 65 doesn't really have superpowers. Okay. Like, there's Daredevil, Matt Murdock, but he's just the, like... He's the head of the hand. Okay. In six months, in six and sixty-five, she's the spider spider woman. There's no like big Avengers or mm-hmm. like mutants. next week Kang isn't going to show up. Yeah. Um, yeah. No mutants. None of that. So she's kind of an outlier as far as like powers are concerned. But then you know you go to six one six and she's just like a drop in the bucket. But yeah. that's something that she talks about from time to time. Anyway. So she, that's kind of her like intro. And then at the end of, at one of the ends of time, (laughs) there's this woman, her name is Finale. Yeah. Her name is Finale, the ultimate artist. And they know that they are approaching the end of time. And so she's putting on a concert with like 10,000 people and she has this big announcement and she says that, you know, we as people will die, but ideas and music and art mm-hmm. live on in yes. infinity. And so what she plans to do is go back in time and implant herself into art and history so that she can live forever. That's her goal. I see I see nothing wrong with this plan. Sure. Especially when it requires six different time traveling tools. You need all of them? Uh-huh. <laughs> to send her to five different periods in time. And in order to power this process... She turns all of her followers into stone. Sick. Cool. <laughs> they're all so they're all wearing these like visors that she hacks and yeah. it sucks all the energy from them. They all turn to stone and she uses that energy to power her time machine. And it uses uses Kang's time ship. Okay. The Sphinx's Caw Stone, which I've never heard of. Sure. Doctor Doom's Time Platform. Of course, classic. The Talus. Mm-hmm. The Pigeon's Time Egg, which I've never oh. heard of. 
No. And then they were supposed to get Cable's arm, but <laughs> they encountered resistance trying to steal Cable's arm. <laughs> so they couldn't get his arm. And so uh-huh. Dr. Cephalopod, who is Doc Ock, but themed around Cthulhu. Excellent. Who has like a Cthulhu head, like squid head. Blah, 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 is like, Sounds hey, great. so... Well, his real name is Cecil Cephalopod, by the way. (laughs) I am sold on this comic. He's like, hey, Finale, we only have five of the six time machines. I would not suggest going forward with this because it could be less accurate than you want it to be. And she's like, no, F that. We're doing this. So Finale's plan is to take the place of five... Heroes of Legend. Okay. Thor, Captain Marvel, Captain America, Iron Man, and Wolverine. Okay. It's quite a crew. (laughs) Yeah. And so Cephalopod's like, all right, if you say so. So she turns it on. And so turns everyone to stone. Her essence or whatever starts going through the time stream. At the same time... <laughs> Gwen Stacy is hopping from 65 to 616. Okay. And because these two events in time are only are happening at the same time, <laughs> the signal <laughs> go, hits Gwen and goes through her and f- screws up the signal and then instead of finale getting sent through time, now Gwen Stacy's are getting sent through time. Okay, you had me until that part. Yep. <laughs> Another main player is this character, Spider-Zero. She got introduced in the title Spider-Verse, which was led by Miles Morales. But anyway, Spider-Zero is the like keeper of the web, of okay. the web of destiny. Uh, she can read the web and like yada yada yada. It's not a big deal, but yeah. Anyway, she's she's kind of the the lead for this story. She's she's guiding Gwen through the different parts in time because Gwen gets hit. Spider Zero grabs her, brings her back to six sixty five, and everything is screwed up. Everything is mm. super high tech. The police are running around in Gundam suits, like. It's, oh no! Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. So, what's Spider Zero is like? Something's wrong. We need to go through time. Here's the first <laughs> anomaly, and goes back and sees a Gwen Stacy Thor, uh, whose name is Thor Gwen. Sure, of course. And and Gwen Stacy and and turns out every single Gwen that we're going to come across is a specific aspect of her character, of her personality. Oh. So this oh, okay. is. This is it's not arrogant. just stapling her onto even nope. more. This is the okay. arrogant side of Gwen Stacy because it's okay. Thor. So sure. <laughs> so she goes and deals with Thor, uh, Thor Gwen, and tries to recruit her to remove her from the timeline so her current time can go back the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Well, okay. And then so Finale's team consists of Dr. Cephalopod, Fossil, who is an alternate universe, Stegron. But instead of instead of being a man stegosaurus, it's a man stegosaurus skeleton. (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> Black 13, whose real name is Calypso Hardy. She is a Felicia Hardy knockoff. Yeah. And looks to have some like voodoo influences. Roachman, okay. who is basically a brown yellow jacket suit. David Doty is his name. And his occup- occupation is Alchemax Jan- Janitor. And then you have Glam Goblin, who yes. is Barton Hamilton, whose occupation is Midlife Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> and then Finale is like, you guys need to fix this. My, I'm not stitched through time. Something is wrong. Y'all need to go deal with Gwen. And in order to deal with this, I'm sending you help. And she grabs Nightbird, who is the <laughs> the the Marvel Robin to Marvel's Black Man, uh, Batman, Gwen Stacy. <laughs> okay. In the Heroes Reborn universe. Oh, yeah. The Nighthawk had a lot of Captain America and Spider-Man origins. Mm -hmm. And so his Robin is Nightbird, Gwen Stacy. So they pulled that Gwen Stacy specifically. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. So to fight a Gwen Stacy, use a Gwen Stacy. Right, of course. Yeah. So anyway, they hop through more time travel with... To go and get Captain America Gwen Stacy, who is another aspect. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) And Cap Gwen and Thor Gwen uh, have a little scuffle that lasts two pages. And then regular Gwen pulls her to the side. By removing her from time, um, things didn't change, which was weird. And so they go back to that time frame and see Wolverine Gwen. (laughs) <laughs> this is really just like like that scene in Being John Malkovich where John Malkovich <laughs> goes through his own portal and, and everyone exactly. is John Malkovich and it's just Malkovich, 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 Malkovich. This, this is exactly what that is. Oh so, my God. Wolverine is Gwen Howlett. Uh-huh. And she has her animantium claws. And then so they grab her. Oh, she gets stabbed and impaled. Multiple times, just to just to <laughs> just to show it off, just to show that she's got a healing factor. Great, because like Roachman shows up, and in his first panel, gouges her with two of his ant leg <laughs> roach legs, Ugh. and then but like they don't make a big deal out of it. Right. No, nobody's like, oh no, yeah, Gwen, no. They're just like, she'll live. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be fine. Terrible. It's 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 ridiculous. So they grab her and then go back and then <sighs> the witnesses to this fight in the 40s are young Howard Stark and Norman Osborne. Okay. Okay. So now sure. <laughs> jump forward a couple decades and we have <laughs> We're going to go. We have to go and get Iron Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Her name is Tony Stacy. Uh huh. And she's wearing the Guardian Wear Exo Network suit. Okay. G W E N. Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And this is the vain personality of Gwen. Oh. Mm-hmm. But this company is called the 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 suit is made for OSS Tech. It's made by OSS Tech. Okay. Stands for Osborne Stark Stacy. Oh, okay. Yep. That's a thing. Anyway, they go and they go and get Iron Gwen, pull her. Normie Osborne, Norman Osborne turns into a green goblin. Glam Goblin is there and is like, whoa, cool. Anyway, so now you have Captain Gwen, Iron Gwen, Wolver Gwen, Thor Gwen, and, <laughs> and Ghost Christ. Spider. The web of life is finally coming together. And then the last one they have to deal with is Captain Marvel Gwen. Okay. And Captain Marvel Gwen gets attacked by mandroids. Dr. Cephalopod gets involved and impales Wolver Gwen again. <laughs> Freaking pincushion. Yeah. Marvel Gwen has the negabands and they're throwing off all of her, oh her psyche and she's getting confused and she sacrifices herself and explodes in the sky. So removing wow. that Quinn from the equation. <laughs> cool. Yeah, let's let's start taking yeah. off. At the same time, Nightbird is like, I'll join you. And so the six Gwens that still are alive go and fight finale at the end of time. And it takes all all the Gwens teaming up to stop finale. So Gwen, the time portal of the five portals that were supposed to be using six is starting to get unstable at the end of time. And Gwen pulls it in and then uses it to create this like cosmic spider web thing that shows like the <laughs> The way that they represent the spider web that she creates within every little like gap of the web, there's a different reality. And that's typically saved for artist renditions of (laughs) (laughs) the time, like representation of different realities, not her actually webbing different realities together. Anyway, interesting. They, her webbing the reality is like that solidifies the timeline and then she goes back to 65 and it's good to go again. Like it was, <laughs> it was a one shot for a reason. So yeah, it was just weird because I, I get, okay. I guess this one shot existed for the sake of giving Gwen an opportunity to confront her different aspects of her personality <laughs> because <laughs> no one, no one that got introduced survived at the end. <laughs> <laughs> so like there's not like any returning things going on but yeah it was Gwenverse but this is one of those like I uh, remember when I, I had this conundrum of like alternate reality versus altered reality right 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 so this was all in Earth 65 with branching timelines yeah, but all still "quote unquote" technically Earth sixty five. 
Right. And I feel, I feel, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anytime you're dealing with current or past, I feel like it's always on that same earth. But if you ever right. deal with futures, it's alternate earths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Black Panther Range Wars because nothing happened that, that <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel so bad saying this, but like, Nothing came up that I'm like, oh, I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah. And that was kind of a similar issue I had with volume one, where I started to kind of get, not jaded, but like, this is a recycled storyline of (laughs) the Black Panther's chosen elite decide that Black Panther is no longer fit to rule the country. And so they have a coup d'etat. But like, Coates just did this two years ago. Yeah. But people don't remember because after Coates did that story with the Midnight Angels, he did the Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda that people are obsessed with. And that's what they focus on. And so, and apparently so does John Ridley because he did the exact same story, but with the Hatuts Raze instead. Sure. So he got exiled and is on the run. He has. Uh, a run-in with with Aurora, and she kind of checks in on him while he's on the run. Shuri asks the Midnight Angels to help T'Challa, and and he's like, I can't believe you guys are coming to help me. He's like, no, we're not helping you. We're helping Shuri and Wakanda, so just don't get it twisted. <laughs> we have more of this kid whose name I don't remember, and I... Oh, sorry. His name is Tosin. Um, he's the one that is from the quote-unquote true Wakanda. That is the Wakanda that went the organic route with vibranium. Mm. Okay. As opposed to the tech route. Yeah. Uh, and so they have like vibranium tattoos, which now that I'm saying that this way makes me think of Wakanda forever now. Yeah. It also makes me think of uh, Shola and Kosei. Or no, yeah. that was Nesno. Ne- was it Shola or Nesno? Um, uh, Nez- Nesno. Yeah. Gentle. Gentle, yes. He was cool. Absolutely. The quote-unquote true empire of Wakanda, the village that Tosin is from, is outside of Wakanda proper. And so they all gather their forces and and like use that as their initial base of operations. Ororo helps the fight. Uh, then there's a fight between Achille and T'Challa. Achille is his childhood friend who became the head of the Hatat Sarase. So he was like the the one who led the like coup slash rebellion. Sure. And he does this like he ends up killing himself at the end of the duel oh. for T'Challa. Like, like in a like T'Challa had to go through this hardship, and now for the sake of Wakanda, T'Challa has to win, and so Achille kills himself. I don't know. It Okay. The the full message, I think, I didn't catch. But sure. He, his last words are like, a true warrior falls on a sword when defeated, as I fall on mine for you, my king. And so now they're just like, so now what? <laughs> Fuck and was all like, that well, then? The Tuts Raza are going to be disbanded. The secret police. So there's all those like sleeper agents across yeah. the world that uh, T'Challa had put in place, yeah. including yeah, yeah. Gentle. And and Aurora is not happy about that. 
Oh, interesting. So at the end of all that, Aurora was like, well, Charlie's like, please don't leave me alone. And he's like, and she's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> like literally the last page is T'Challa and Aurora, T'Challa on the ground, still like in shock about the loss of Achille. And Aurora says, T'Challa, I have to go as well. There's nothing else for me here. And he says, please don't leave me alone. She says, I leave, but being alone, you've done that to yourself. The king is dead. Mm. Long live the king. Mm. And she flies off back to Araka, I assume. So that was wild. And then while that... I don't know why John Ridley wrote this these last two issues. The last okay. two issues, the antagonist is this guy called the colonialist. Oh, sick. Okay. I like where this is going. And it deals... So it starts with more Captain America and T'Challa butting heads about like T'Challa's supposed to be the head of the Avengers, but he's never there. Mm. And then, especially with the loss of Doctor Strange, like the world is in chaos right now. Like we need you here. T'Challa kind of jumps in. I mean, Thor jumps in and is like, yeah, I mean, he's not wrong. And then Captain Marvel shows up and as soon as she shows up, this portal opens up and this guy named The Colonialist, who is straight <laughs> out of, like, British colonizing Africa. Yeah, American yeah, yeah. Kind of guy. Pith, Riding, pith helmet and safari. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's in all, he's completely white-coated. So, yeah. and not coded, like, not coded C-O-D-E-D, but coded C-O-A-T-E-D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He he's white. He's very white. Is is the message he's here? White skin, white hair, white suit, white cane, sitting on a giant elephant or riding on a giant elephant, all white. And he has yeah. these like dancers, and all the dancers are like around him celebrating, and they speak in their native tongue. And the translation is "Please help us." And they have this like really unnat uh, the colonialist, and he has this little puppet that's like a little mini me. Oh, creepy. That has the exact same smile as him. But it's like a ventriloquist thing. And Ugh. he's he speaks out of the puppet. Kind of like no. the ventriloquist from Batman, if anybody watched uh, the Batman the Animated Series. But yeah, so they both have this really unnatural large smile. It's very creepy. Yeah. So anyway, they're just like, hey, so I'm here and I'm looking for new hunting grounds. And I would like to hunt on this glorious place you call Earth. They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and they and he sets he sets down on this place called My Large Intestine in Texas. Apparently, it's an actual town city name. Cool. He has a bunch of like moloid monsters caged up, and hmm. not like. Specifically, Molo- well, they are Moloids, but they have like spikes and sharp teeth. And anyway, all of a sudden, this revolutionary army shows up, and they they work for the revolutionaries or the for the colonialist. And so they're they go and fight, and then this other guy shows up. So the revolutionary <laughs> army and the Moloid monsters are fighting Thor, Cap, and and Carol Danvers. 
Black Panther has his tool that he's going to use to try to send everyone back, and he get and Razor is about to do it. He gets shot, and okay. from off the panel, he, he this is a voice that says, "I'll have none of your tricks, Afro Cat. You <laughs> are in the sights of the Buffalo Soldier." Oh, and it's okay. this black cowboy man on a giant bison. <laughs> okay. So now we have the Buffalo soldier and he's backhanding T'Challa and he says, he talks like, just stay right there, son. Wouldn't want ya to make any sudden moves. Our acquaintance ship would come down to me putting a bullet in your purdy suit. And T'Challa's like, pretty suit. You will bow before the king of Wakat. And then before he can say, duh, he gets backhanded. And he says, Wah, and, and Buffalo Soldier says, well, I never heard of Wakat. But where I come from, yeah. people, people were taught how to fight. And it's like, oh, boy. So anyway, it <sighs> he shoots the tool that T'Challa is using with his little stick shooter, and it destroys it. And it was made out of a vibranium. And so T'Challa is all confused and um, skirmishes here and there, and then the colonialist is here, and the Buffalo Soldier is literally beating the snot out of T'Challa. And then <sighs> T'Challa decides not to fight Buffalo Soldier. Okay, so they have this like conversation of like the colonialist didn't liberate you; he tricked you into doing his dirty work, killing the Mugabe and and taking what was theirs. You don't know a thing, son. I'm what I know, you call yourself the Buffalo Soldier. On this planet, we had Buffalo Soldiers, free men who served their country with honor protecting the frontier. And he shows like this like image of pictures of Buffalo Soldiers. But when the frontier expanded, the Buffalo Soldiers were ordered to fight and kill the people whose land we're standing on right now. Sounds like they were doing as told. These were men who fought for their freedom in this in the country's civil war. Uh, they had a choice. They chose to take their freedom and turn it on others. And he says, uh, what do you know about freedom and choice? Didn't you say you're the king of Wakaouf? Do you order people around, Mr. King? Do you tell them what to do and expect them to do it? He says, I, yes. Then don't tell me nothing about free will. I have nothing to tell you, but I'll show you. And then so he puts his suit down. He disarms himself. And then both of us are just like, defend yourself. He's like, no, I use my free will to not defend myself. And he shoots him. And then he's like, oh, my goodness. And, and then... Buffalo soldiers in shock that he didn't defend himself. He's like, you just stood there. He's like, yeah, I did. And then Buffalo soldiers like, well, I'm convinced. And so he turns, he turns sides and joins the Avengers in fighting the colonialists and the revolutionaries. But in doing so, he gets hurt and dies. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> I agree. And yeah, that was it. They like. <laughs> Buffalo Soldier dies and colonial and the colonialist gets sent back to the whatever dimension it came from. It might be setting up the colonialist for another or the f- Buffalo Soldier Maybe. for something else. Or it might just been like, hey, this seems fun. Especially for somebody who doesn't write a lot of comics, like, hey, I have right. this wacky idea. Like, I feel like there are yeah, especially like writers who or creators who, you know don't work in comics much, made their name somewhere else. Maybe they liked comics as a kid, and, and so they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I have this 
wacky idea that would be a really fun comic character. Let's explore this. And, and they, just because they're not like in comics much, they don't get the opportunity to, or they don't, they don't have the follow through or, or the something, the, the editorial buy-in, whatever it is, or just the commitment to the idea themselves to like make this any more than just like a silly idea that they do once and throw away. Yeah. 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 It was, it was a thing. <laughs> Iron Fist. Yeah. It's called Iron Fist Shattered Sword. So something that it says previously in, but we didn't actually see happen on panel. <laughs> mm-hmm. In the King and Black tie-in. No, no. In the death of Doctor Strange Companion, there was okay. an issue of Swordmaster. And Swordmaster <laughs> teamed up with White Fox. Your favorite. Okay. Yes. Teamed up with White Fox and they fought a monster that was kept at bay because of the barrier put up by Sorcerer Supreme. So it gets through. And in fighting it, uh, it was a it was a giant Kumiho. In fighting the mm-hmm. Kumiho, it destroyed Swordmaster's sword and okay. got thrown off of a cliff. Uh, and then Swordmaster got thrown off of the cliff. Okay. And that was the last we saw of Swordmaster. Okay. Here we are on Iron Fist. And lo and behold, Lin Lee, the Swordmaster, is now yeah. the Iron Fist. Huh. Yeah, I agree. So, so that's who the new Iron Fist is. Yeah. Your favorite. Yeah, it's great. So what had happened was... <laughs> in a flashback, he and the sword pieces fell yeah. into the water. Okay. For whatever reason, the mm-hmm. spirit of Shao Lao was like, I choose you. And uh-huh. revived him and gave him the power of the Iron Fist. Okay. Uh-huh. But he's so good at swords. Oh, yeah. It's so good. And puzzles, so, right? He's the puzzle guy, he, right? Yes, he's the puzzle guy. So he is going for, okay, the sword shattered. It all went into this river. Now the sword pieces are all over the place. Um. Enter, (laughs) enter classic Super Mario video game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Now he's going around looking for all the shards of the sword. Some of the shards that he does have he has embedded into his arms. Oh, perfect. Because they want to be together, like the one ring. And so they right. so he can feel them pulse when he's close to another piece of shard. And he can use the yellow chi of the iron fist, but inconsistently because the green chi of his sword tends to get in the way. And is throwing his body out of whack. So he doesn't have okay. balance of the two cheese in his body. But okay. he's got a chip on his shoulder because Shao Lao chose him. And so it must be for a reason. Huh. All right. Anyway, uh, he, has, <laughs> <laughs> he has all the pieces saved in a impossible puzzle box that only he can um, oh open. Oh, my God. And... His he so his brother, okay. Conceptually, what is the whole point of Swordmaster? So it's a great question. 
Chinese legend. There's the there's Chiyo, C-H-I-Y-O-U. He's the Chinese ancient god of war. Clans had split him up into three pieces. They there's his body, his skull, and I guess his weapon are all locked away, three different parts of the world, all guarded by three different tribes, and each tribe has a sacred weapon. Okay. The sword is one of them. A whip is the another, and sure. I forget what the third one is. Doesn't matter so far. Anyway, Lin Lee's dad and his brother were on an exca- excavation, and they came across Chio's skull, the tomb that mm. Chio's skull was on. Because the the tribe that was in charge of giving their blood to the rope for the blood magic that was keeping his skull at bay got lax in their duties. The blood has since dried and the and any disturbance would start letting them loose. And so archaeological dig disturbance, Chio's essence starting to, to get out. Sword gets sent to Lin Lee from his father. His brother, thought dead, has the sheath of the sword. (laughs) (laughs) And is acting as Chiyo's avatar to go around and unleash the rest of Chiyo's body. Okay. So he has demon magic. Anyway. Sure. So now it's brother versus brother with supporting cast of the new thunderer in training in Kunlun, Kunlun, Danny, Luke Cage, Pei, who is the child go- Iron Fist that got introduced in a one shot of of Iron Fist. <laughs> mm. Okay. <laughs> and Misty and Colleen Wing. Sure. They're all fighting demons and Lin Lee gives himself an upgrade by taking all of the shards that he has and stuffing them in his arms. <laughs> they cross paths with Bride of Nine Spiders and uh, Fat Cobra. Hey. Yay. They have yeah, their classic... Mm-hmm. They have their classic named character uh, fight before a team-up. Mm-hmm. And then a giant centipede Stops the battle and they all fight. And then <sighs> Lin Lee has a one-on-one talk with the spirit of Shao Lao for some reason. Okay. So because of that talk, he finds new balance in the, the, the writing is really cheesy. I'm not going over it, yeah. but yeah, just yeah. know that it, yeah. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but Lin Lee finds a new balance within himself and he is able to channel the Iron Fist Chi into his left hand and channel the Swordmaster Chi in his right hand and and create and moves the shards out of his hand and creates like a Baraka blade from <laughs> his hand, from his fist. Yeah. Like conceptually, it looks kind of cool. So he turns the iron fist into a sword so he can continue being sword master. Basically. 
But also, like, I feel like that's two very different ways to hold a sword. Like, a sword coming out of the back of your hand versus holding a sword, your attack is going to be very different. Like, that's still going to take training from my perspective. (laughs) (laughs) But whatever. It ends with everybody fighting, and but they're all fighting on Earth and not in Kunlun. And the army, the Thunderer opens a portal from Kunlun to here on earth and his brother is like oh perfect uh his name his name's fang by the way fang's like perfect i needed to get to kunlun i'll see you later so because kunlun is the location of the third temple uh because why not because why not and you know it's impossible to get to kunlun until somebody in the story needs to and then right because Screw the story of every seven years, there's a portal no. that opens. No, fuck that. <laughs> the location of the battle was at the um the girl with the whips temple where the where the, the second tomb was. And so he got what he needed. He just needed to get to the third tomb, third tomb being Kunlun. So portal opens up, he's like, perfect. So he goes there and and he's and Fang has killed everyone left in Kunlun. And then the man that he was working with shows up and he's like, oh, hey, so you've uh, made yourself at home. And Fang's like, oh, hey, Loki, how you doing? So mm. now Loki's involved. And the last mm, speech box is the third and final tomb of Chiyo is here in Kunlun and I will raise this city to find it. And then it says, to be continued in Axe Iron Fist. Oh. Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Axe Why is, is he Avengers in X-Men Eternals. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they did this with the death of, I mean, they they sh- they shoehorned it in with death of uh, Doctor Strange. So we'll see. Yeah. Anyway, so Danny doesn't have his chi. He, so that, that was another thing that they said. Like previously, Danny Rand gave up his chi for, uh, for, for the Iron Fist. And I don't remember reading that, but it totally could have <laughs> happened. That, I, I can only keep track of so many characters. Sure. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah. So Danny doesn't have the, the chi. And they're waiting for the dragon egg to take hold uh, so they can do the whole process of Shaolau and finding the new Iron Fist. But then the spirit of Shaolau was like, nah, I found Lin Lee. We're good. So it's a whole thing. Anyway. Okay. <sighs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> so Amazing Spider-Man Volume 2 by Zeb Wells. I would oh, normally yeah. spend more time on it, but it honestly didn't feel consequential. Okay. But in Zeb Wells's defense, yeah, the beginning of Spencer's run also didn't feel consequential. Right. And then things that huge were, yeah, and then it just blew up. So that's fine. But basically, the main antagonist for this storyline is this guy. I know he's got a name. Oh, so this is what I don't understand. Okay. I don't get this because I've been reading a lot of Spider-Man. But okay, in the past, one of the one of the first Spider-Man villains is this thing called robot. Okay. And he just kind of looks like this. It's just a thing. It's, it's not a big deal in the superior Spider-Man run. Doc yeah. Ock doc, or Otto Octavius Peter <laughs> brought 
robot out of the storage and use it as his personal assistant. Okay. And then to keep Doc Ock around, what he ended up doing is when in Spider-Verse, when he found out that the Peter Parker of the current was post-Superior Spider-Man, he put a copy of his mind on a gauntlet on a on a spider gauntlet that spider gauntlet ended up getting legs or sprouted legs and went and found a robot and uploaded the personality to the robot and so (laughs) Otto octavius was pretending to be robot until he had a chance to strike and then during the clone conspiracy he was able to get a new body and insert himself anyway Uh, okay the reason why i say that is because this robot doesn't remember any of that. Like they're treating this robot as, oh my gosh, I haven't seen him in decades. <laughs> okay. Kind of a thing. Yeah. Little baby. Yeah. And also because it's, it's sole objective is who is Spider-Man. Mm. So it goes, it has this like evolutionary line basically and creates this human looking thing, but it's basically robot still. And all it cares about is who is Spider-Man. And so it creates a fabricated party that invites a bunch of people from Spider-Man's life hmm. to trap them and interrogate them and ask them who is Spider-Man. The people who get brought to this party consist of Nora Winters, Liz Allen, Eddie Brock, sorry, Flash Thompson, Ben Urick, May Parker, Anna Marie, not Anna Marie Rogue, but Anna Marie. I was going to say. She's like a three foot tall person that was introduced in Superior Spider-Man. And she and okay. Peter slash Otto started dating. Oh, okay. Robbie Robertson and Max Lodell, who was the head of Horizon Labs. Anyway, they all get invited in. And then so does J- and then J. Jonah Jameson and Felicia Hardy. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so they all get trapped because robot wants to know who Spider-Man is. No one wants to tell him. And then he sends, he robot also kidnapped Dr. Octopus. And okay. that was the last page of volume one. And so now we see what's going on. Doc Ock is kidnapped and robot is convinced that the sinister six were the best chance at, capturing or defeating spider-man and so he creates a robot that has all six abilities but also all six personalities like it like got copies of of max dylan San, uh, electro sandman craven mysterio doc ock and vulture sure. and threw them all into one body. And so it has six different personalities conflicting with itself. But they're all like, hey, let's kill Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man's like, wait, they're all different in there. And so he like, he calls out to them and like, they start fighting each other because (laughs) they're like, no, I'll be the one to stop Spider-Man. And then... Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then it goes into this like backstory of how Robot came to be. And this is why it's like weird that they're like treating it fresh. Anyway... Spider-Man comes face-to-face with the main robot and it's like scared of Spider-Man because that's what Mm. was programmed into him by the guy that made the living brain back in the day. And so that's the thing. So that's how he kind of loses that fight. And then to finally beat the Mandroid synthesoid 
six Sinister Six. He goes and he finds that the original Sinister Six are all captured, and that's how it's getting all of its powers. So he releases them, and so the seven of them team up to fight it and defeat it and tear it apart. And then they, there's like a heart-to-heart between Spider-Man and the robot, and he sees that Spider-Man, even when he's been betrayed, even when he's been beat up by every single villain ever, he still defends them. Mm-hmm. He still makes sure that they don't die. And so Robot's like, this is Spider-Man. Hmm. And so like he changes it to like conceptually who is Spider-Man, not who's Spider-Man. Oh, it's Peter Parker. Right. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And then so they have their little thing and then he leaves. So that was the first half. And then the second half is... Tiana, who is Sterling. Oh, God. I forget her hero name, but she's Vulture's granddaughter, even though she's black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's kind of the black cat to Miles Morales' Spider-Man. And so they're together. And then Toombs has been keeping this, he has been keeping the, you know, the villain side of his life away from her. I want to say her name is Tiana, but I know it's not. Okay. It is Tiana. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, she Tiana confronts him. Is just like, uh, Spider-Man told me about your history. Uh, you're a really bad guy. And he's like, no, no, no. What are you saying? And she leaves. And so now Adrian gets pissed at Spider-Man for outing him because mm-hmm. he's trying to keep that away from Tiana, blah, blah, blah. And so now sure. you have a serious um, vulture that wants to go and take out Peter Parker, Spider-Man, because he doesn't realize that she was talking about Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Uh, uh-huh. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, Pete wants to, or Norman Osborn wants to hire Pete at Osborn Industries. Something happened in the past where Pete and Osborn created a spider suit. <laughs> and it has some green on it. It's got some okay. green goblin-like tendencies. This this is the back of the of the volume, so you have an idea. Okay. So he's got like green oh, okay. lights on his arms. Yeah, the spider he's on his got chest a glows bomb green. Sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, is he riding a glider too? Does have like a glider? It. Yep. Yeah. So Pete is going around doing his thing, and then he gets bum rushed, blindsided by Vulture. Vulture is pissed, takes him. Oh, Vulture crushes his web shooters and then yeah. takes him up like a mile into the sky and drops him. Because uh, he's like, How dare you do this? And Pete's like, ah, What am I going to do? 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 And he takes two web cartridges from his. Oh, they drops him above. Central Park or a park sure. takes two web cartridges, pops them right in front of himself and uses that to try to cushion his fall hits every single branch of like 16 different trees and the web webs catch in the trees and he just barely doesn't hit the ground. As soon as he saves himself, Vulture comes back and grabs him again, tries to mess him up. Pete calls Osborne's like, send me the damn suit. And he's like, nah, I can't help you. And then Pete gets away and he goes and gets the suit himself. And so now he can fly too. And he's got this. So he has this green goblin slash Spider-Man suit. And mm-hmm. it's it's a glider that looks sort of more spider-themed. And he and the 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 little 
orbs that were on his arm are like yeah. are spider bombs. And oh, okay. he throws one at tombs and it's full of little spider bots. Huh. And just Sick. crawls all over him. Oh no. Yeah. Then he takes them out and the web glider doubles as a little backpack, like the legs wrap around him, and he can wear it like a backpack. Anyway, so he finally slows Tombs down to find out what's happening. And Tombs is like, you, you told my little girl. And he's like, I honestly don't know who you're talking about. I'm really sorry. But, you know, that that that's your life. And that's, and, and, I'm, and I'm sorry. And Tombs is like, <sighs> and that's the end of that. And so Pete comes back to Osborne, confronts him about like, why the hell didn't you send that to me? He's like, dude, you don't understand. If I get on a glider again, I may never get off of it because of this whole like Mm. sin eater, my sins have been absolved. And Pete is still having a hard time really believing that. Yeah. But when Osborne first asked him to work at Osborne Labs, because some of the projects he's working on, he was like, I want to use some of the tech that I made for the goblin and trying to make a better world. So same kind of path that Pete took with Horizon Labs. So his initial idea was this electric plasma jet engine that he wants to work on. And so Pete's like, you know what? Can't believe I'm saying this, but I believe you. So uh, I will work for you. So now as of the end of this, Pete works for Osborne Industries. Okay. Or OzTech, whatever the right. OzCorp, and Oz, it says Oz next. Fill in the blank. Yeah, it says next Thwip plus Snicked. So I oh, guess Wolverine's okay. gonna be in volume three. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we have our copyrighted onomatopoeia teaming up. Exactly, and so that was that. That was that. A Savage Spider-Man, which is the follow-up to Nonstop Spider-Man, which I thought was a was a non-starter, and yeah. By the end of this, I realized that Nonstop Spider-Man and Savage Spider-Man, these 10 issues took place over like like a week. So, <laughs> and it ends with a regular Peter Parker. And so it I think it is 616. <laughs> okay. Sure. So quick r- small recap. Nonstop Spider-Man had to deal for whatever reason with Zemo. And there was this drug called like Smart or whatever. And um, it made people like genius level and then it killed them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then like removed wrinkles in people's brains, like literally became smooth brain Spooderman. Yeah, they legit became smooth brain as a as a like like relapse from having extra wrinkles or whatever. I don't know. Anyway, so part of that plot was using those intelligences. Tap. It was okay. So people would take the drug. They would get super smart. And then the the removed smartness would go, the processing power would be siphoned into Zemo and his team. Right. So Zemo's quest is to re- brand or like get Hydra back on track. Sure. Hydra being all about the pure blood, the pure race from Zemo's point of view specifically is blonde hair, blue eye. Okay. Yeah. And he has this guy, Wolf straight up. Nazi just, shit. Yeah. Yes. Wolf is uh, his like number one mercenary and Wolf is killing it. And, and Wolf fully 
embraces pure race, pure racial like supremacy. Come to find out, Wolf is a black man, mm-hmm. and his team of other animal themed characters are all other minorities. And okay. and Wolf is like Zemo, you think too small. We're all about the pure race. Oh and, right, I remember and this. Everyone should only be one race. Right. So you and I are both fucked <laughs> under <laughs> really under either of their rules, but <laughs> but because we are of mixed heritage, we do not belong with Hydra's with 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 Wolf's Hydra as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just any 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 way to try and parse it of like understanding what any sort of essentialized race is is, is nonsense because it gets so is it gets Nazism. yeah yeah well it gets it gets real tough when it's like I mean how far back do you go right eventually exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly like I get like. I mean, even if you went like pure-blooded South African or pure, maybe pure-blooded Australian is doable, but that <laughs> might be it. Like Aboriginal Australia, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and and for me, like being you know Norwegian, Swedish, and German, it's like, does that count? Do you care? About right? That? You're like, come on. Basically, is there like, is there <laughs> not like that I really want to? You know, not that I really want to belong to the you know. Nazi mm-hmm. dream or whatever, but <laughs> yeah, it's, but you it's all very hair, silly. Man. I know. So you know, you're out, and then me just being the black mutt that I am, it's just not going to happen. Anyway, <laughs> so at the end of that volume, Pete got hit with the smart drug, and then it, for whatever reason, interacted weirdly with his biology, and he turned into a man spider. Mm-hmm. A different version of Man Spider than the old '90s version of Man Spider. It's he's right. much more spider. Sure. Anyway, the, the, he and Zemo get left on a um, on an island with uh, with other mutates and Spider Man or Man Spider Monster <laughs> spits red webbing from his mouth. Okay. And anyone that is hit with that webbing, he can now control. Yeah, so anyway, he immediately becomes the king of the island. <laughs> and then Zemo summons his Hydra mercenaries to get him off the, the, off the island. And so the mercenaries versus Spider-Man and his, his people, blah, blah, blah. Not a big deal. They eventually get off the island. Meanwhile, while that's happening, um, Wolf and his cronies are putting together a drug or a uh, an aerosol that when inhaled anyone of pure blood will be fine anyone mm-hmm. of non-pure blood dies immediately oh no sorry turns in turns into so, those drones so everyone's a drone by realistic standards yes yeah <laughs> they they turn in uh, they'll turn into the mindless drone that we saw of the like monstrous kind of people um on sure. the island that's that Zemo and Spider were just on. Right. Anyway, they tried They tried it on one town, and it worked perfectly. Uh, it had like a 90-something percent kill rate. <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So 
they're like, okay, let's do this global operation. Let's go. And then Monster Spider does what it can to stop all that. They blows up the missiles in the air. And then he gets lit on fire. <laughs> what? Yeah. So this it's just so weird. Uh, he gets lit on fire. While that's happening, Zemo got hit by the drug. Also, turns out he's pure. And so he and Wolf team up again. So, like, he's, he's welcome. Zemo's welcome to the cause. Okay. Because he is of pure blood. Sure. Even though he's a robot. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> no. <laughs> Pete. Oh, okay. Pete again hyper evolves. Oh wait, Z. I was for some reason I was thinking Zola, not Zemo. Yes. Oh yeah. No. Sorry. Zemo. Yeah. Yeah. Pete. Pete. I'm getting molts. my Nazis mixed up again. Yeah. It happens. Pete molts his charred body, his charred okay. monster body, what the and fuck? become and becomes regular Pete again with glowing red eyes. <laughs> okay. Sure. And he becomes this hyper logical character being mm. okay. where like no emotion, just all logic. And, and we already know that Pete is like genius level intellect. Right. So right. now all of that is just firing on 75 different cylinders. Right. Okay. And he's like, okay, say, and basically he comes up and he's like, why save humanity is what we do. Why do we do it? It is logical. And then enter the next issue. So okay, the oh, gosh, Wolf and the, and the team <laughs> are on this like flying helicarrier type thing. Pete's looking at it and he's like, "Okay, I can't physically jump to that." So mental calculations you get, and he's like processing all this random stuff. And he uses uh-huh. he web swing he he webs up a manhole cover, swings the manhole cover, shoots that up, uses that for the initial momentum, and that's what helps him get get to the bottom of the helicarrier so he can web up to the web carrier. He has these red, red webs again and they're organic webs. Anyway, he does all this like infiltration type stuff and all high, hyper focused type stuff. And and the way he's thinking is like evidence, da 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 conclusion, da 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 hypothesis, da 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 evidence, da 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 so that's how he's like processing all this yeah he is thinking about his situation and that it is interesting that he has like hyper evolved twice Mm. to deal with this situation and what's going on turns out the main processor for all of this uh thought processing stuff is the mad thinker because of course Uh, by names yeah so wolf and his crew are dealing with all this Spider Super Spider Man lays a trap for to deal with everyone because he's hyper focused. For example, how about this? His correct assumption will be that the mainframe is my target. Assumption he will leap to intercept. Assumption he will not risk gunfire with cl- this close to the mainframe. Counter counter adoption of conventional weaponry for tactical advantage. Deflection of incoming fire as expected. Angled within reasonable parameters so as not to damage the mainframe. Threatened blunt force. Assumption: Destruction of conventional weapons at close range will still elicit, still elicit oligosynaptic startle reflex. Evidence: Remind him of Newton's first law. Total interaction: two point three seconds. Next step: Ascertain the mainframe operation and power source. Organic human, the mad thinker. Unexpected. <laughs> so anyway, so he's basically set all this stuff up because he's insane. Yeah. 
turns out that his primary objective is to get all of the missiles fired. And then after the missiles have been fired, take out the mainframe so they can't be stopped. And then incapacitate everyone and then change the programming of the missiles. Okay. And to change the programming of the missiles, he jumps into, he matrix his matrixes <laughs> himself, jacks himself into the brain of the mad thinker. And he says, <laughs> so, so what now? So Zemo says, so what now? And Wolf says he wanted us to fire the missiles prematurely, wanted to ensure that A plus couldn't be reprogrammed. He's going to take over the mainframe from his side. And Pete just says, You stole genius. I was born one. Which one of us should reprogram the world? So, <laughs> so now he jumps into the mindscape and he's like, So basically, there's like, you know, a shit ton of like inner monologue about all this stuff. And he basically is like, I am at peak mental capacity right now. This is amazing. I can solve any problem. The world should be like this. Instead of pulling a Tony Stark with cosmic power and giving everyone genius level intellect, he yeah, wants to <laughs> he wants to reprogram the world to remove emotion. Ah, uh, okay. And Mad Thinker is in the mind and he's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you doing this? And so they have just like a kind of an interesting conversation. It says, I ran over a trillion scenarios when, uh, once you joined the conflict. Each found you arriving at this moment. You will not attempt to stop me. I cannot. The Immaculatum are clever. That's the name of the wolf and his crew. Even without the A-plus enhancements, to be part of the experiment, I exchanged my will. As with any mainframe, I execute orders. That does not seem logical. It says, it was necessary. The physical world had become a challenge for me. I was, well, mad to put a fine point on it. But this, uh, crisp, clean, quintillions of neurons firing in synchronicity, allowing for gigabillions of computations per second. For the first time in my life, I am not mad at all. I simply think. And he says, sounds wonderful. You must comprehend what I'm doing then. He says, I do. And it will work. You can rewrite the operating system of humanity from here. However, there is an element of your plan that is, that is yet unconsidered. Expand. Programming bias, dot, 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 expand. Why don't you walk me through your process instead? While that conversation is happening, there's a fight in the real world. And he says, self-awareness by definition demands a concept of otherness. This valuable evolutionary boon has outlived its usefulness. Weaponization of the other and toxic hyper-tribalism is an existential threat to the human race. All super, and then Matt Thinker says, all superfluous in an era of abundance. Removal of core individuality, individuality will yield a mass consciousness. As one with the shared global intellect, economy will no longer be necessary. Sustenance will be redistributed so that all benefit equally. Resources will be focused on healing the planet and then extragalactic travel. So Pete says, memory will be shared across the globe. Emotion distilled down to contentment, free will. And he says, is that a joke? I don't think so. Apologies. I forget that you were only enlightened a few seconds ago. <laughs> Ego posits free will to explain self-awareness of instinctive impulses. It's actually quite funny when you look at the science. What is that? A model of your mind? No, those parts. To maximize processing power and cognitive creativity, your brain shut down non-essential processes. Your amygdala, for example, is not flooding your body with stress hormones. The activity in the anterior insular cortex is at a minimum, allowing logic to trump empathy so that you might complete unpleasant tasks 
unencumbered, unpleasant. Mm-hmm. And then he sees what he's doing in the real world and he is like murking the Immaculum. <laughs> just absolutely destroying them, just pulling them into non-existence. Dang. And uh, he says, oh yes, my physical form is in, is in a battle. Unpleasant. Anyway, it says overwhelming, isn't it? There. These are the emotional connections to everyone you have ever known uh, returning to you all at once. He has, he asked him to turn it back on everyone you have ever loved, everyone you have ever hated, your guilt, your pride, your empathy, your resentment from that, from the data, it appears that you have deep emotional connections to people you barely know. What is that? Doralis's parents, May, Nora, Austin, Texas. No, a teenager, one of the trial subjects. He, he died. And he's like, yes, I can upload the copy of his mind if you like. He was young. It was a fast read. He he was a kid. And so, like, there's this kind of just back and forth. It's just like, oh, shit, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing here. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, we don't need to reprogram the world because empathy is a big deal. And Thinker says, can I talk you out of this? And he says, I hate Zemo. I hate Immaculum. That hate made me weak and stupid. Flip a neural switch and no, the cost is too high. I, I must comply, but I don't want to go back to back out there. It's chaos. It, it hurts. I know, but there's also joy, love, simple friendship. He says, I'll make, I will make it my life's purpose to make you suffer for this. He's like, no, you won't remember. Every element of the A-plus PICO system uh, will be purged and destroyed. Anyone infected and still breathing will go back to normal, including you. I promise that I'll do everything I can to help you. He says, fine. It was nice while it lasted. Thank you. Execute. So it's ended up being a fun character study of Peter Parker and how he sees the world and the importance of emotion and empathy. Yeah, cool. I'm going to save I'm going to save these two for next time because my actual reading is kind of like as far as like content is concerned for next week. Cool. I'm stoked to have uh Reckoning War get get its, you know, get its full due and get get to breathe a little bit. For sure, me too. Although, are we doing some uh X we're, next we week? We are doing some X next week. We're doing Trials 1 and 2. Trials of X volumes 1 and 2. I have already read them because I got antsy. <laughs> yeah. All the more reason why we definitely need to do that for next week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even take any notes. I just was reading and I was like, yes, yes, yes. That's awesome. For a tease for next week, I reached out to Steve thinking, cause I think about comics a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I revoked my, Support of the definition that the X-Men have been using for resurrection. And Steve was like, so you haven't read ahead, have you? (laughs) I was like, no. So I'll bring bring this back up uh, in detail for next week. But I'm excited. I'm excited to read these two books. Me too. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be fun. Anyway, uh, so Trials and X-Force Draft uh, next week. Cool. Oh my guy. Uh with that. To, I was gonna say it has been a bit let's, you mean let's let's put the let's put the outro music here. Okay. And uh we'll, we'll call it a week. Something. Alright, dude. I'll catch you later. Yes. Yes.